1: and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from Northwest Pennsylvania here in our radio and television studios. We broadcast each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, heard live on Global Star Radio Network, our main station. We're also simulcast on video on YouTube.com, the official Hagman and Hagman Report, as well as on Blog Talk Radio. And our podcast and archives go out through a number of uh, different platforms. Go to Hagman and Hagman dot com for all of our show information. That's Hagman and Hagman.com. and go to Hagman Report for our uh, news content and web uh, website information. And folks, I want to give you a quick update on that. I'm uh, your host Joe Hagman. Um, my father will be joining us. After the first hour, we have Greg Jackson coming in to talk about Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the Jewish New Year, which is today, as well as some other, as well as other news and current events. But I wanted to give people a quick update about our website, hagmanreport.com. Um, got some emails. Um, uh, there was some, some screw up that happened, uh, and it was nobody's fault. It had to do with the amount of content that was on the website. But apparently, at least on our end, um, when you're logged into the website, you can see everything that's been updated and when it's been updated. And we've had content updated, um, you know, up and through this morning and this afternoon. But when you log out of the website, it had the date on it, Wednesday, September 28th, 2016. And all the stories were from, uh, Wednesday. So anything that was posted since last Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, especially this weekend and today, uh you could not see for a while there and i posted a few uh of the writing submission articles which tomorrow now that everything's back to normal on hagmanreport.com i will uh redate them so they appear at the top of the website because i had received some emails of people asking uh where those articles were and i was confused because we posted them and uh we'll get that all cleared up so just want to let people know that hagmanreport.com um is updated each and every day with fresh content, not only about the show, but about news, current events, and what we talk about here on the show. Um, Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. That's ZipRecruiter.com. We are going to have more on that later. Uh, Again, I'm Joe Hagman, the co-host, along with my uh, father, Doug Hagman, who will be joining us in the second hour. Um, He is... Currently, uh, in a business meeting, and he will be done shortly. And when he's done, he will be joining us. We got a lot to cover tonight. Again, uh, Greg Jackson, the author of 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, is going to be joining us, is with us now, uh, and is going to stay on with us through this first hour. And as I said, we're going to talk about, uh, today, the, the first day of the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, and, we're going to be talking about some economic and other geopolitical news with greg jackson his website is gregjackson.com, g-r-e-g-g jackson there's two g's greg and again his book 40 things to teach your children before you die and greg you have a new book coming out uh with 40 more things uh if i'm not mistaken you want to tell the audience a little bit about that
0: well yeah I'm hoping to have uh thanks for having me Joe. It's always a pleasure and then to begin off the week and Lastronata as they say in Hebrew happy new year uh to you as well um, <laughs> happy new year but, yeah you i too. do uh, thank you um i do uh have a couple of books hopefully coming out uh this year um and uh we'll, we'll see we'll see uh the the order what one is for kids and it's a part of the forty Things series that the Lord really laid on my heart. And uh, the next book out hopefully will be 40 Rules and Manners of Etiquette to Teach Your Sons to Become Men. And then there will probably be one for girls as well. They don't have a gr- I don't have a girl, so that might I might need to uh, uh, get somebody who has uh, girls, a, a cr- Christian brother, and uh, get their help with that one. Um, and then the other one is more kind of a, a business-oriented, 40 Rules Every Sales Professional Needs to Know. And that's just based on my 25 plus years of high tech, uh, sales and medical device sales and sales management and just something that I've put together. And I think, um, I think, uh, that would be a very popular book because in that book, I learned from a lot of my successes, but mostly from a lot of my failures. So hopefully in that book, I can help people. And we're really all in sales. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're, uh, you know, the, the co-host of the Hagman and Hagman report or you are uh you know in a more traditional sales oriented role in medical sales or uh copier sales or wh- whatever it is we're always trying to convince and uh you know others to, to to our point of view in some form or fashion and uh so we'll see we'll see what happens with these books if we're not raptured first <laughs> the, maybe these books will, will come out and, and and make a difference but who knows
1: yeah, and your your books in the past have made a tremendous different difference. And you've kind of went from the political uh, you know, uh sector to a more family oriented uh biblical sector, if you will, with your with your last book. And you Greg's the author of um Con- Conservative Comeback to Liberal Lies um, as well as other books, he's been involved in, in numerous, uh, politics in a number of different ways from, uh, hosting his own radio show to, you know, going and reporting from different events like CPAC and being speakers at, at those events. Um, and now he's kind of, you know, shifted more towards the, um, the spiritual aspect of things. And that's, you know, what a lot of people are doing today. And then I don't want to put words in your mouth, Greg, uh, what, but is that what you would say happened? You went from more of a political, Worldview to a, a spiritual worldview, or was that always there? Or you just yeah. Uh, no, no, off I
0: think you political. hit the nail. On, I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe. You know, the first book that I wrote in 2007, Conservative Comebacks to Liberal Lies." We've sold over 100,000 copies. It's issue by issue responses to the mo- most common claims of the left from A to Z. Tons of college kids and younger people, especially, have gotten that book to refute uh many of the lies of their leftist professors and the indoctrination in the media and the culture at large um, and you know i went from from writing that book which kind of launched me in terms of of radio on WRKO in boston and uh being a regular radio guest and speaking on college campuses and like you said introducing the presidential candidates at CPAC in 2007 and 2008 that's a conservative political action conference so you know, I saw, you know, I was on the Fox News and doing interviews across uh, various uh, media, you know, quote unquote conservative media platform and traditional terrestrial radio, kind of like Paul, Paul McGuire. And Paul and I have had numerous talks offline about this because we have a very similar experience. And I think what, uh, what the Lord did when I, you know, I'm a Jewish believer for some of your new listeners. I came to faith in 2001, right before 9-11, a couple months before. And, I think what the Lord did was He really changed my heart, and He made me see that, for me, politics was an idol of sorts. Again, not to say that Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. God invented civil government, as your guest Wednesday night, Brandon House, will explain to your audience. By the way, your audience is in for a huge treat this week. With uh, tomorrow night with Pastor, um, uh, with with Pastor Mike Spaulding, I believe he's on tomorrow night, and then Brandon House on Wednesday night. Um, I've been talking to you about brand for a a long time and i'm glad it's worked out so folks hagman and hagman family make sure that you are tuned in closely i've gotten to know pastor mike spaulding uh, over the past couple of months and he is a phenomenal guy and definitely part of the uh the radical righteous remnant that uh, so frequently uh you know joins you guys on the air so i'm excited for the audience but long story short is that i recognize joe uh that you know, for me, I was good at refuting the lies of the left, and I was good at going on the radio for three hours in Boston and filleting the, the, the liberals and feeling pretty good about myself, like I was so much smarter than they were. But that was brought to my attention one day during the Bush administration from a conservative caller uh, that, Greg, you know, you should really check out George Bush's real record. And a lot of the things that you accuse liberals of, he's actually doing. And that really opened my eyes, Joe, and it forced me to really kind of Take an honest assessment and inventory of where I was at, and recognize that essentially the Republican and Democrat Party are two two wings of the same bird, with very few exceptions, both flying in the same globalist New World Order direction. And so, from that point onward, the Lord really kind of changed my heart, and He changed my reordered my steps. And as you duly noted, I went from more of a you know the conservative guy who's going on campus and going up against all the leftists to writing the book uh, or co-writing the book. We won't get fooled again. Where the Christian right went wrong and how to make America right again. And. By the way, that's when I first met you and your dad. Yeah, that was the first interview. Publishers called me up and said, yeah, it's a blog talk radio show. I said, well, I'm not so sure I want to do it. And they, she told me, uh, they're pretty big. You might want to do it. And I'll never forget, I was in Nebraska on business at the time, and you, me, and your dad talked for three straight hours, and it was phenomenal. It was uh, It was a great time, and we really got in-depth into the book, in a way that you can't in a 10- or 15-minute interview or a half-hour interview on terrestrial radio. And that book really documents and goes into his, uh, how I recognize with my co-author that really the main reasons why the right, the religious right, the the moral right, the conservative right, has lost virtually every battle that has been engaged in, why the left has made so much headway in virtually every area of society, the media, the culture, and education. And we really broke it down. It wasn't, you know, very uh, well respected, or, or I should say accepted, uh, by many in the establishment conservative movement and many in the religious right, because we did expose many of them. Um, not because we had a personal vendetta against any of them, but we thought many of the pro-family and pro-life organizations needed to be exposed. And Actually, we've talked about this on air numerous times. I've probably been on your show at least 100 times over the years, and I know that we've covered this in depth. And then finally, my last book that I wrote, uh, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, is the one I'm most proud of, Joe. And its I, I wrote it one day uh, when I was checking. My wife and I were cleaning some things up in the basement. We're looking in the safe, and it just dawned on me, if I died, what else am I going to leave my kids other than, you know, material goods, or my, my kid. I only have one, <laughs> although I do consider my dog Gunner one of my other kids, um, as I'm sure you consider Lady to be uh, the studio dog to be one of your kids as well. But um, long story short is I made a list that I wanted to put in that safe of the things that I believe to be true, and I was going to leave that list for my son in the safe that just in case Dad dies, here's the list of everything that I think is important, to essentially the opposite of what the world is teaching our kids these days. And that and that list became a book. My publisher, David Dunham, at Dunham Publishing, loved the idea. We turned it into the 40 things to teach your children before you die. We're in our sixth printing, um, and it, it's, it's been very, very well received. I actually wrote it more for adults, but I disguised it as something that is written for kids because I I really think that kids understand the issues, whether it be of salvation or... Um, you know, any of the moral or spiritual issues that I talk about in the book, uh, more than adults. We adults uh, tend to confuse things, don't we, Joe? And I wanted to write something for children that was simple enough that even adults could understand it. And so, uh, if, if, if anybody hasn't, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it because it's really, it's the thing that if I died today, I could just. I could look the Lord Jesus in the eyes and say, Lord, I told the truth, I shared it with my family, I shared the gospel. Of course, the 40th thing in the 40 things, as you know, chapter 40 is the most important decision you will make, in this life is where you will spend the next one in eternity, and that's, of course, by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, it's the gospel, it's the only way to heaven, it's through Jesus alone, and so... If nothing else, if people don't get anything else out of the the other 39 pages, my prayer is that at least when they get to chapter 40, they'll take it seriously, and they will realize that today is the day of salvation and that today is the day that we need to repent of our sins, knowing that tomorrow is never promised, trust in the name of the Lord Jesus, and be saved.
1: Amen. Greg, we talked today earlier, uh, and you... You were the one that, that brought brought it to my attention that today was a special Jewish holiday. And, you know, uh, just in the past we had um, uh, Dr. Heiser on, and he came and talked about the Bible, and, and we had Jonathan Kahn on, and he talked about uh, in his you know new book, The Book of Mysteries, um, how the mysteries he wrote actually, uh, mysteries about the feast days, fell on certain feast days, and he didn't even intend to do that on purpose when he wrote his book. And there is a lot of, uh, you know, listener questions when it comes to the Jewish holidays. And there is a lot of Christian ignorance. Uh, and I'll be the first one to say, um, when it comes to, you know, the Jewish holidays, um, I'm not very uh, well educated at all uh, when it comes to them. Can you explain um, this period of time that we're entering into, I guess, which kind of started today with the yeah. uh, Jewish New Year?
0: Yeah, and let me just give people a traditional overview. And by the way, I'm with you, Joe. You're a Gentile believer. I'm a Jewish believer. And even I, when I came to faith, didn't really understand the significance. And it took me some time in reading through the Bible over and over again. And this is the process that we all go through as believers, the sanctification process. Of course, we're justified the very moment we come to faith and are saved. And then we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and our salvation is is eternal. But we undergo during our... Uh, the rest of our lives, a sanctification process where hopefully we're we're maturing in the Word, understanding the Bible more thoroughly as the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture and brings it to mind. And what I've realized is that, and by the way, if listeners really want to understand and get more of an in-depth conversation of what it is that we're going to discuss, read the book of Leviticus. Isn't it funny, Joe, how... Coincidentally you called me this morning to co host the show with you because <laughs> your dad's feeling a little under the weather. And isn't it and, and by the way, I'm being I'm saying that tongue in cheek. I don't believe in coincidences with God. Uh but also I, I, I find it to be a little bit more than coincidental that uh during my daily devotionals I have been going through the book of Leviticus this month. It's just amazing how God works. And I believe that it was for potentially even for this show and and others where we can talk about the significance of the Fall Feast because even I didn't recognize how awesome it is when you look at the Fall feasts and their significance. And so, in general, Joe, there are seven feasts that uh, God, Khmer, Yahweh, commands to be celebrated each year. Now, uh, let me just preface this by saying I know that we as believers are not under the law. We're not under the Levitical priesthood law. And I'm not saying, uh, I'm not alleging or claiming that we are in any way. I'm not saying that it's God's commandment that we all have to celebrate all of the seven feasts. What I am saying is that I believe that God wants us to recognize their significance, celebrate them if we wish, but especially to know their significance. Remember, he gave us the sun and the moon and the stars so that uh, the, the times could be clearly demarcated. He's given us these feasts. To to have a better idea, I believe, of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord, and then the second coming of our Lord. Remember how I said there were seven fall feasts? Well, the first one was is the Passover feast. That's in March uh, in, in April, and that celebrates redemption and the sacrifice of the Messiah. Of course, we know that Jesus, our Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, died on Passover, and he was buried... Uh, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is right after Passover, and that celebrates the, or what, I guess, commemorated the burial of the Messiah. And, of course, unleavened, meaning without sin, without leaven. Of course, we know that Jesus was the only one to walk this earth who was totally sinless, and he was entombed during Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And then the third Feast... In March and and April, which follows Feast of the Unleavened Bread, we know as Easter, but it's called First Fruits, the grain or the the grain harvest, and it represents the Savior, uh, Jesus, uh, being the first fruits of the harvest. And of course, the New Testament, Paul and and some of the other writers refer to him as our first fruits, and indeed, Jesus is our first fruits. So, if Jesus. Died and was buried, and then resurrected, coinciding with the fir- first uh, three fall feasts. And then, of course, the fourth was the Feast of Weeks, or uh, known in Hebrew as Shavuot, which is 50 days after Easter. We know it as Pentecost, penta meaning 50, and that occurs in the May-June time frame. And that is, of course, in the Book of Acts when the Holy Spirit was given to the Church. And so we know that Jesus fulfilling all of the first four uh, feasts, we know that if he fulfilled the first four feasts, we can pretty much rest assured, Joe, that he will fulfill the last three. And the last three feasts yet to be fulfilled, the first of which occurred or is occurring today, and that is Yom Terah, the Feast of Trumpets, or what is also known as Rosh Hashanah. And that uh, is what we are celebrating as we speak tonight. And it is the Believer's New Year, and it is the what many believe. The meaning is that the, when Messiah returns to rapture the Church. Now, I know that this isn't a discussion of when the uh, catching up into the air with Messiah in First Thessalonians 4 takes place, or in First Corinthians 15 takes place. This isn't a discussion to, to debate whether that rapture of the church takes place before, uh, during, or, or after the tribulation time. At least that's not what it's intended to be. But today commemorates the Feast of Trumpets, the Jewish New Year, the first of the three false fe- fe- feasts. And then ten days later from now, Joe, will be the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, on October 12th, which is actually my mother's birthday. And that is the Day of Atonement, uh, when... And the meaning really is when the Messiah saves Israel. What many biblical scholars believe when when Jesus will will save all of Israel, and we know that indeed that will come. Ten days.
1: That's mm-hmm. ten days from ten today. You
0: no, know, in the today, Bible, yeah. so, doesn't uh-huh. it
1: say in, Re- in Revelation? Isn't there a uh, uh, a passage that talks about you know hide yourself, um, you know, for a period of ten days till the indignation passes over? I could be. Com- conflating two different verses, but um, isn't there a, a point in the in the book of Revelation where it talks about ten days um, coming, uh, there, there's tribulation for ten days, and uh, to hold mm. steady during that time?
0: I'm going to have to uh, look in the book of Revelation to confirm that. I do...
1: Here, I can uh, do that myself, too.
0: Vaguely, yeah, <laughs> I do vaguely... You. Uh, um, understand what it is that you're talking about? That uh, reference in in the Book of Revelation, but I do know that it's a time. At least, has always been a time that is commemorated in between Feast of Trumpets, celebrating the Jewish New Year, uh, with the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, uh, which is celebrated ten days later. Um, you know, represents the need for sacrifice or a sin offering that must be made for the sins of the nation. Now, what happened uh, after, um, or what happens on the Day of Atonement for many non-believing Jews is that after they have taken ten days and asked God to forgive their sins and brought all of their sins to mind, on the Day of Atonement, that is when the sin offering was made for the sins of the nation. Now, we don't sacrifice animals anymore, but traditionally, non-believing Jews who uh, practice Judaism... Uh, you know, go to the temple, and unfortunately for them, they don't realize, their eyes haven't been opened like this Jew's eyes were opened in 2001, that Jesus was that Passover lamb. He was that perfect atoning sacri- sacrifice by whose wounds we have been healed, we who receive him as our Lord and Savior. And so on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which is ten days from now, Joe, that will be a time when many people believe that the the Messiah saves all of Israel and we're told in the book of Romans that all Israel will be saved uh, and then finally the seventh feast is the Feast of Tabernacles which is in September-October timeframe depending on the year um, that it falls on and that many theologians believe Joe celebrates the wedding feast of the Golden Age where the Messiah, Jesus, starts the millennial reign. Now, some people, I, you know, I take the, the, word, the, the scriptures at face value. I believe it's a, a literal 1,000-year reign where Jesus is sitting on the throne of David as the Davidic covenant uh, prophesies will happen, yet to be fulfilled, and that Jesus will rule and reign, and that we will rule and reign with him for that millennial period. So, again, the, those three fall feasts have yet to be fulfilled that's what we're looking forward to as believers the first four passover unleavened bread first fruits and Shavuot or the the uh pentecost have already been fulfilled by jesus death burial resurrection and the giving of the holy spirit and the three that we're waiting for right now one of which we're celebrating today which is the feast of trumpets where jesus many believe will rapture the church we will be caught up in the air 10 days later on the days of atonement the messiah who is our atoning sacrifice will save all of israel and then finally we will tabernacle with our lord and the great wedding feast where the uh, in the what's known as the golden age where the messiah jesus starts the millennial kingdom
1: that's uh, course, fantastic that's kind
0: of a general it's a general uh, overview but go ahead joe no. sorry
1: no that's a great overview and uh we have a break coming up in about 1 minute greg but um you know that's something that uh, i never even knew that there were unfulfilled uh feasts versus the fulfilled ones i had an idea i guess i never understood the the complete picture and the verse that i was referring to about uh, i guess yom kippur the day of atonement if it had any relevance was revelation chapter 2 verse 10 where it says, "Fear none of these things which shall, which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And after ye have tribulation ten days, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you, I will give thee a crown of life."
0: And uh, Joe, you just opened sure. my eyes. There, you just opened my eyes there, and I'm sure a lot of listeners' eyes. That I had never seen that in the scriptures. And of course, I'm looking at my Bible right now, and it's underlined. But it didn't hit me like it hit you. So, yeah, that 10 days could be the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah or the trumpet blowing. And then, of course, the Day of Atonement, where, according to Revelation, it says, Do not fear. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life, which is, of course, what we are promised when we... Hold that thought,
1: Greg. We're right up against the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking with author Greg Jackson, his latest book, author of 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before... You die. You can go to his website, GregJackson.com. That's Greg with two G's. And, uh, you can go to Amazon and find his book, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. It's a fantastic read and a must have for every bookshelf, uh, in a Christian household. And we are talking about the Jewish feast days, the first four feasts which have been fulfilled and the final three feasts, one of which is today, the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. We're going to spend some more time talking about uh, the feast days. Then in the rest of the segment, we're going to get into some uh, economic and geopolitical news as time allows. Uh, welcome back, Greg Jackson.
0: Well, thanks for having me back, uh, Joe. I appreciate it. And, you know, I, I, I will say that, you know, the Bible is is explicit that Jesus' turn will be marked by a trumpet. Now, I don't know if that's Don, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> or trumpets, trumpets or whatever you want to call it but it you know th- th- this is not coincidental that Jesus uh uh died on passover was buried during unleavened bread w- uh, rose uh during first fruits or what we call easter and that 50 days later the holy spirit was given at pentecost specifically on these dates the point is this I'm not uh, in any way, uh, you know, saying that or advocating religiosity in that, you know, we, we need to follow these holidays to the T or we're going to lose our salvation or that these are commandments that are commanded upon every believer to keep all of these fall feasts. What I do believe that the scriptures tell us is that these feasts that God gave us are a blessing for all believers because they point us toward important events surrounding Jesus the Alpha and the Omega the creator of the universe the first and the last through which all things are held together and so to the degree to the degree to which uh, we have a relationship with Jesus uh, who sticks closer than any brother that uh, I I think is determined by our understanding of the scriptures. In other words, we can have a superficial understanding by going to church a couple times a year uh, and believing in Jesus and, uh, you know, at least have a head knowledge and and, and potentially be saved. But I believe that, and and I know that your audience, there are many people in, in Hagman and Hagman audience that yearn to go deeper, to have... Not a superficial relationship with Jesus, but to have a very deep relationship. And the degree to which we understand the Word, remember Jesus said, I am the Word. I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me. He is the Word incarnate. And so the degree to which we understand these things inside of the Old and, and New Covenant, uh, I think largely will determine the condition of the relationship that we have uh, with Jesus while we are on this earth. And I think that it will also dictate uh, our ability to be effective witnesses for our faith uh, to a large degree. And so my point is this. uh, My prayer is that people recognize the significance of the feasts as timelines, as demarcations of time, where we are in world history. And knowing that Jesus has fulfilled the first spring feast, and knowing that there are the three fall feasts yet to be fulfilled, we can have a pretty good idea of when the end times are going to take place. We, we can have a pretty good uh, uh, I think, understanding, Joe, that Jesus will, that trumpet blast will occur on Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah, what we're celebrating today. And that on the 10 days later, the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur, that that will mark the time in history when Jesus, on the Day of Atonement, will save those unbelieving Jews in Israel, as the Bible says, and all of Israel will be saved. And then finally, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which takes place in the September-October time frame, we can look forward to that as the beginning of the Millennial Kingdom. The Bible talks about when Jesus will rule and reign from David's throne, quite, quite literally, in Israel, um, and that we will rule and reign with him, and that is our blessed hope. That's what we have to look forward to. And as dark as these days are, Joe, with everything that's going on in the world, for the believer, even if you are not Jewish believer like I am, if you're just a Gentile believer, brother and sister in Christ, you should know that on the Feast of Trumpets, if you don't know anything else, be reminded, no matter what you're going through, you will hear that great trumpet blast. And that you will see the lord in the air as lightning from the east to the west the whole world will see him there will be no mistaking jesus and he in the bible says in 1st thessalonians 4:17 that we will be caught up with him that we will be raptured harpacho in the greek rapturo in the latin that we will be caught up with him and that he will save us and that we will rule and reign, and that we will return with him to vanquish all of the evil on this earth. Now, again, I don't know if that's going to happen before the tribulation, during the tribulation, or after. That's not my intention to start that debate tonight. But it is my intention, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, to know that that day is coming. I believe that that day is coming soon, and that is our blessed hope. And we should also know that because we are so close to those things happening, to these three fall feasts to be fulfilled, that my other prayer is that we should be filled with such a sense of urgency, to be on fire, to be courageous and bold, to share the gospel with whoever the Lord puts on our path, to not be afraid in these last days. Whoever God places on our path in our family, uh, our friends, coworkers, even our enemies that we would be so bold to share the gospel because it is life or death. Because the Bible says that man is abo- appointed to die once and then the judgment. And we will either be written in the Lamb's Book of Life or in the Book of Death. And there's only one way to be written in the Book of Life, and that is through receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and repenting of your sins. And if you're a Jewish non-believer like I was prior to 2001, I pray, brothers and sisters, go back and read Leviticus. Pray that God would open your eyes and read about all of the feasts that I'm talking about tonight. And pray with an open heart that God would reveal himself to you through the Word. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one way for any Jew or any Gentile to be saved there is no separate way Jews don't have one way and Gentiles another way there is only one way and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ Himself a Jew born to Mary and Joseph both Jews <laughs> and Jesus said in John 14:6 I am the truth the way and the life there is no way to the Father but through me The Bible says in Romans Chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My prayer is that if you are not saved and you're just tuning in, it's not coincidence, you're listening to a saved Jew tell you that Jesus is the only way to have your sins forgiven, believing on the name of the Lord Jesus, receiving him as your Lord and Savior. There isn't a special separate way for you. And that the moment you do that, you are washed of your sins, you're forgiven, and you have everything that there is to ever have or want in this world. There is nothing more, because when you have Jesus, you have everything. There's nothing more that this world could ever give you. And by the way, once you have that blessed hope, once you have your salvation, once you have received Him, I believe the Bible clearly teaches... And and you can look in John chapter 10. I think it's the most explicit uh, proof source in the whole Bible that uh, no one will snatch you out of the Father's hand. It's the one thing that you can count on in this life because friends are going to let you down, family's going to let you down, your job, your boss, people are going to undermine you because we're all human. We might not do it on purpose, but we're all human. And the, but the Bible says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I believe that that refers to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is God the Son. And when we are adopted into the family of God, God the Father becomes our Heavenly Father. And guess what that means, guys? It means Jesus becomes our brother. He becomes... A friend who sticks closer than a brother and I know because he's changed my heart in my life I know that he is real I know there is nothing that could ever shake my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and if you are not a believer may today be the day of salvation for you and and this is my other thing we'll get into Trump and all the other events Joe if you are a believer and you're growing weary and you're growing tired guess what that trumpet's gonna blow You're going to see your Messiah. You're going to see your Yeshua. You are going to be caught up with him and rule and reign forever in heaven. So whatever you're going through right now, it's temporary. It's fleeting. It's transient. It will not last forever. The devil wants you to think it's going to last forever, but folks, the Bible says that while tears may last for the evening, joy cometh in the morning.
1: Amen. And that's, you know, so true. The, uh, the things that we worry about on a day to day basis as, as human beings, um, when we, when we come to the finality of, of this life or our life on this earth, we will realize how foolish many of us were, uh, with what we cared about and what we pursued versus what we left on the table. And as you said, you know, about, chapter 40 in your book being the most important chapter we tend to uh, as as human beings um especially those who are aren't saved or or um aren't active in their faith uh we too often focus on on the the short inconveniences and other uh you know uncomfortable situations that we that we find ourselves in you know as being you know hopeless and and we let those uh, drag us to being you know full of uh, ungratefulness and complaining when in fact we should be uh, grateful and we should uh, have that attitude of gratitude always and we should uh, understand you know what the spiritual world is versus what the this fleshly world is that we live in now and the difference between the two and the rewards that we have if we uh, are obedient to God and and repent and use our time wisely in this lifetime.
0: Amen. You know, the Bible, Joe, says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, it says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or... What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out of the midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Second Corinthians, he talks about how, Paul talks about how, you know, he spent most of his time in prison, right? And, and that we're it, it called to be ambassadors of, of Christ and that even though we're going to undergo persecution, uh, that, that it's temporal, that it's, that it's just, it's just for a time, but that the important thing is to recognize that our the blessed hope is that we are sons and daughters of the living God that nothing that that nothing can take that away from us and that the best thing that we can do in this life is to recognize our identity in Christ and to be separate from the world. We have such an amazing opportunity to do that right now. For such a time as this, in the end of the end times, which is I think where we're living right now, if you look at them, uh, biblical prophecy, Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Everything, you know, all the nations surrounding Israel, and everything that's going on right now, we we have to look at the at the geopolitical events, and and and, and there can't be any other conclusion that it's the forty ninth, you know, the fifty ninth hour, and the in the in the in the you know fifty ninth second. I mean, we are at the doorstep so if if you are going through a time in a tribulation and we all do, just recognize that it is fleeting, because if you took a piece of paper, if you took a seven by ten piece of paper uh and and just put a dot on it, like a yellow legal pad, and just put the the smallest, most minute dot, that somebody once did this to me, and it, it made me understand it better. That represents our life here on Earth. During the short time that we're alive, 70, 80 years, whatever it is, in the grand scheme of things for eternity. Think about how, how minute that is in reference to how long we are going to, how long eternity is. And, 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 and I think that once we understand and acknowledge it from that perspective, hopefully it makes some of the temporal, you know, kind of trials and tribulations that we undergo daily, hopefully it'll, Enable us to, to deal with them better. What do you think? Absolutely.
1: No, you're exactly right. In, uh, Colossians chapter three, uh, verses one and two, it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Um, and that just, you know, goes to complement what, what you just laid out. We got about, um, what about uh nine minutes left before the the top of the hour break, Greg? Um where do you want to go from here? I, we mentioned uh we could talk about yeah. uh, Julian Assange and, and WikiLeaks and what they have planned. Uh we can also get into the presidential election. We also have um domestic and international economic news.
0: Let's try to hit let's try to hit the um I know I'm a little late right to the party on the on the Trump thing uh and his debate, but I he does have a couple coming up. And I I didn't hear Rick's interview. I don't know if you talked about it last week with any of your other guests, so I'm just going into this cold. But I just do do want to make a couple comments about Donald Trump, Um, and that is this. And, you know, we've talked about Trump certainly in in depth on many of your other shows. I do believe God is using him sovereignly to expose many facets of society, culture, the church. And uh, I believe in many regards he could be God's trump card. Uh, to to potentially give us more time to expose the evil deeds of of darkness. I don't know. Um, I, I don't uh, I don't claim to have a crystal ball. I'm not Nostradamus. And uh, but I do know that God is sovereign. He's on the throne. And I do know that if the new world order and both wings of the establishment, Republican and Democrat party, hate Donald Trump, I tend to probably admire a lot about the guy. It's, But it's more what he represents, the movement that he represents that I admire. Certainly there's a lot of areas that I would hope that he would be stronger on, but for me it's night and day, Joe. I mean, when you take a look at Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, it is absolutely night and day. And if you judge a man by his enemies, you have to conclude that probably judging by Trump's enemies and the amount of vitriol... That uh, is 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 you know everywhere in the establishment in every one of the alphabet soup channels and uh, you know every one of the the uh, leaders of, of both parties and uh, in the establishment you have to conclude that he represents a definite threat to implementation of the new world order. He's throwing a cog in the wheel, even if do, he's doing so unwittingly. So I would say, Joe, that. Number one, uh, the debates, after debates, you saw all of the polls, and they all showed Trump leading significantly. And a lot of these online polls were millions of people's, people voted, except for the CNN poll, which was not an online poll, which was a more of a controlled poll. But in every other poll, Trump won in a landslide after debate. And I have to admit, I think yeah. Trump failed to capitalize on, on and, and failed to pivot we can talk about that in a minute because this is what he needs to do in the future. Uh, but you know, again, it was a guy's first debate. He's not a trained uh, politician, but he definitely fell for the for the for the bait in, in in a lot of areas. But what it showed was people despise Hillary Clinton so much that it doesn't matter. Most have their minds made up. They understand that she is a demonic witch who drools on herself, who can barely make it up a flight of stairs, and they understand the lateness of the hour. They understand and and that's to a large degree because of shows like yours, Steve Quayle, Rick Wiles, Dave Hodges, and others who and and paul mcguire in the in the real uh uh alternative media alt right conservative media, who I think she was talking about when she coined that phrase alt right media and i I truly believe that if the election were held today and it was a free and fair election with 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 not too much vote tampering. Because you can only do so much in a national election. It's easier to rig an election on a state or county-wide level. But if it were held today, Joe, I do believe Trump would win in a landslide. I believe most of these polls are false. Remember, Nixon uh, was behind in all the polls. I think Reagan was uh, behind in all the polls. But I think Reagan, if memory serves correct, won in a landslide twice, 46 states So, I I do believe that in a free and fair election, barring a false flag event or an October surprise, that Trump will be our next president. But, again, will the civil unrest go away? No, I think it'll only be ramped up. I think if Trump is elected, I think that's when all hell will really break loose. I think that that's when you're going to see real rioting. I think that's when you're going to see the new world order, who will not go away, ramp up the offensive to a, a, an even more sophisticated and higher level. So for any listeners out there who think, oh, if Donald Trump's uh, elected president, all of our troubles are going to go away, folks, I think this is just the beginning. What do you think, Joe?
1: Well, you made a lot of great points there. Uh, first, going back to the debates, uh, I think your assessment is accurate in the fact that Trump did not take some of the opportunities that he had to, um, you know, really put his point across or to uh, showcase an area where Hillary Clinton uh, has severely damaged her credibility, um, you know, with her own words and actions. But you know he will have uh chances here in the future as there are still two debates left and you know we had Augusto Perez on the show as well as Henry Groover and both said separately that they believed um from visions different people had and and dreams that Trump would win the presidency yet there would be what you just described a uh, a time if things would get worse before they would get better and um you know i can see that happening i can see that you know george soros said something rather um uh, remarkable about a month back that he predicts that trump would win the popular vote in the us in a, with a landslide victory but would lose the election because he would lose the electoral vote and um you know that's a scenario that i could see happening um i just don't see the new world order letting go or allowing trump to become the president in any yeah. um you know in any way unless that's exactly what they want which i know that's a a, a clouded statement and a loaded statement um but no, they have things under control much more so than i think we understand or believe and the level of their control um You know, they have a a grip on it in which they can change uh, things, you know, uh, change movements, mindsets uh, of people, even narratives and news cycles to the point well beyond what we understand. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But regardless of who does take the office, I think, you know, civil unrest will continue to increase. Racial tensions will continue to increase. Economic instability will continue to increase. And the problems that we see today will only continue to get worse
0: yeah exactly Joe Um, and and, and the main thing is that you know Psalm 2 says you know why the nations are in an uproar uproar, the people are uh, devising a vain thing But it says that the king of the earth takes their stand, the rulers take counsel toward against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear apart their fetters. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them, and he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain, and I think that that's what listeners to need to be reminded of in Psalm 2, is doesn't matter what contingency plans the New World Order has uh, against, uh, for or against Donald Trump, because in the end, God is sovereign. I do not believe that uh, even if Trump is elected, that the days in which we're living in are going to necessarily, we might get time, we might, there might be a temporary abeyance of God's judgment or increase of his judgment, but at the end of the day, we know this from Donald Trump. Donald Trump lost that debate against Hillary Clinton because he was not he was not wearing the full armor of God in the book of Ephesians tells us that we as believers cannot be successful in life without putting on the full armor of God and I believe that he was clearly showing us that as believers, if we don't have his full armor of God if we're fighting in the flesh, we will never win and so the most important thing, even be above and beyond. Who's going to be elected in November, whether Donald Trump is going to win or not, or the machinations of the New World Order? I think the most important thing is, are we as believers putting on the full armor of God? And to the extent that we do that, I think we'll determine our effectiveness as witnesses, as laborers in the field for the... The final harvest The final harvest of souls Which to God is much more important Than who sits in the Oval Office In 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue And my prayer is that your listeners Who uh, represent Millions of those worldwide In the radical righteous remnant Would pray to the Lord Would use today the Feast of Trumpets The Jewish New Year To take a look, I included And say, Lord, where do I fall short? How have I sinned Amen. in my life? Bring those sins to me. How can I get made right? Uh, what sins do I need to repent of? How can I be? How can I look more like your Son Jesus? How can I be more of an effective witness? How can I be a more effective soul winner in these last days?
1: Amen, Greg. You've taken us to the end of the segment. I want to thank you so much for your time and for coming on tonight. Uh, God bless you, and keep up the good work. Thank you.
0: Joe, I I so appreciate it. It's always an honor, a privilege to come on the show with you and your dad. If your dad's listening, get better, Doug. And uh, love you guys, and we'll be praying for you, and look forward to breaking bread together again soon.
1: God bless you, Greg. Have a great night. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Um, we are in hour number two, our third segment. I am flying solo this segment, so we're going to try to have some fun. If you are if you joined us, like Greg Jackson was our guest in the first hour, and he did a fantastic job uh, with laying out the Jewish holidays. Um, we talked about the uh, the feast days uh, that. Uh, Jews celebrate, today being the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Feast of Trumpets. And folks, if you are like me and and are ignorant of a lot of the details pertaining to these Jewish holidays, go back and listen to the first hour, specifically the first segment with Greg Jackson, as he did a a fantastic job of laying these out, and it was very informative. We're going to hit some news and information in this segment. And I was going to start off with the WikiLeaks announcement, but I'm going to start off with the Hurricane Matthew first, and then we'll get into Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And then when my father joins us, we will get into that even more because we've got some information that we're going to cover as the next 12 hours should be rather interesting as there's a coming um, press conference uh, upcoming at 3 a.m. Eastern Time where there is speculation of what Julian Assange will be releasing. But let's talk about Hurricane Matthew first cuz I want to talk about this. I don't want to miss this. And I do kind of want to get it out of the way. Um Hurricane Matthew is a now a category 5 hurricane that is south in the bah- in the Bahamas. It has already killed one fisherman in Haiti according to some of the latest reports from the Weather Channel. And this um is now being uh there's a state of emergency that has been declared in Florida as well as in North Carolina uh that are directly related to this hurricane and the they're saying now that the storm has contributed to at least four deaths, two in Haiti, one in Columbia and one in St Vincent, and at least um Haiti, Jamaica, and Cuba need a brace for the hurricane's arrival. They say it is, uh, it could impact Haiti in a very bad way, as well as the, uh, the rest of the Caribbean. And you could see, you know, record breaking storm surges. They say that this, uh, is a massive storm already responsible for a few deaths in a week. The government of Haiti has banned boating in the coastlines of Haiti starting, that started Saturday. And, uh, um, that's a, there's a majority, uh, fishing community there. You know, and that's what one of these deaths came from was a fisherman in Haiti killed, and they say he was just trying to feed his family um but nonetheless, the whole East Coast, even though the lower United States, as I said, Florida and North Carolina have declared a state of emergency um but we're going to see the this hurricane hit some of the uh poorest regions in the Caribbean and Bahamas. And the death toll, as well as the toll of uh, what property and resources there are, uh, are in danger. So keep these people in your prayers, the people of Haiti, the people of Cuba, uh, and the Bahamas, the Caribbean, South Florida, and anybody in the path of this storm. As it looks as though, uh, you know, this could be one of those maximum damage type scenarios. And where will the hurricane go? from there many people uh there's models out from NOAA to uh the national weather service and there are um a number of different uh, theories out there many think it'll go up the side of the east coast and could continue its storm surge and uh bringing tremendous amounts of rain up and down the east coast of the united states and folks you can go to um Drudge Report, you can go to, like I said, NOAA. NOAA is a good one for the weather models. But the monster hurricane is swirling around in the Caribbean, and the threat to the U.S. is on the rise. Now, to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, um, we got a lot of interesting information that we want to cover here. Uh, there's been uh, some headlines over the weekend. There were some questions as to what was going on. We saw yesterday that WikiLeaks canceled the highly anticipated press conference from uh, a london balcony on tuesday and they're calling this the october surprise now assange canceled the tuesday appearance due to security concerns leaving many people to wonder if he was blowing smoke about this october surprise or if he really had the goods on the hillary uh campaign. And uh one of the things that I've noticed that Assange has been said in the beginning is the information that he releases will be important, but what will be just as, if not more important, is the public reaction and media coverage of the information that's released. Is it going to be, you know, um, full uncensored access to the emails that were deleted by Hillary Clinton? Um, there is new information That came out today, and I think Zero Hedge was one of the first ones to cover this. But this was on a number of news sites, and just as important, and we need to make sure we hit on this. The FBI FBI allowed two of Hillary aides to destroy their laptops. Now, these two aides both had immunity, but the FBI allowed them to destroy their laptops in newly uh, exposed side agreements and Zero Hedge asks just when you think Hillary's email scandal could not get any more bizarre or corrupt it does according to a letter released from the Clinton or the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee Bob Goodlate, re- Republican from Virginia to Attorney General Lynch the FBI apparently struck side agreements with both Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson to destroy their laptops after conducting its search again the fbi uh agreeing making side agreements with Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson allowed these two to destroy their laptops after conducting its uh, their searches through it which raises many questions as to the FBI's investigation and the credibility of the FBI's investigation and investigative findings I think there are uh, with the release of this information and what WikiLeaks is going to release the media, at least those of us in the media who have a soul left who seek to find the truth of the matter regardless of where it leads have a responsibility to cover any relevant, uh, important insights that Julian Assange's information could bring. Now, if it means pouring through 33,000 emails and reading their contents to find where, uh, you know, the criminal elements lie, then that's what's going to need to happen. Will we see that from the mainstream media? No. We won't see it in most of the alternative media, uh, except, you know, to those who care about the future of this nation and and to those who care about the truth. But yesterday we got the information that Assange was canceling his press conference about and, and, you know, that the information wasn't going to be released. But it was also said that this was due to a a security concern from the balcony of London's Equatorian Embassy, where assange has sought sanctuary for years this cancellation was first reported by nbc news and according to nbc news's jesse rodriguez the announcement was canceled due to security concerns there had been widespread anticipating that tuesday's announcement might have been assange's long promised document dump on hillary clinton well just hours after the announcement that assange was going to cancel uh this document dump the uh, assange camp uh released the statement that they were going to have a press conference and the press conference is going to be at 3 a.m in the morning um and we are going to have special updates for you live tonight tomorrow morning as these events unfold and this is also the 10th anniversary of wikileaks uh the organization um on Monday, so this, the ten-year on the ten-year anniversary, or and/or about the ten-year anniversary, of WikiLeaks as an organization, you're set to have this historic uh, document release pertaining to the Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. Now Assange will speak, instead of speaking publicly, he will speak via video link uh, to an event in Berlin on Tuesday the organization has earlier released information hacked from the Democrats uh, and it came across as uh, uh, Clinton has proposed also to drone strike Assange in 2010. Now this I wanted to, to make sure we hit on. Uh, you know, all this is going on. The calling for Julian Assange's death is something that's been in the news the last few weeks to a month. Bob Beckel of uh, Fox's The Five was on uh, Fox business where he, uh, made the comment for Assange to be assassinated calls to assassinate Assange have also been made on public television, most notably by former Fox business commentator, Bob Beckel, who sus- uh, suggested us special ops be used to eliminate the whistleblower. And now, uh, WikiLeaks has come out, uh, and said, well, Bob Beckel went on to say he was a traitor. What he's doing is treasonous. He's broken every law of the United States, and so I'm uh, for the death penalty. That's the only way to do it. Illegally uh, shoot the SOB is what Bob Beckel said as he goes on to say a dead man can't leak stuff. Well, it's come out now. Uh, WikiLeaks has released a screenshot of what Hillary Clinton has stated um a screenshot monday tweeted cites a report from truepundit.com claiming in 2010 the state department explored ways to suppress the troublemaking assange before he could publish damaging information on conversations between the state department personnel and its foreign assets and allies can't we just drone this guy clinton openly inquired truepundit.com reports while WikiLeaks has not confirmed the veracity of the report, the Washington Examiner notes that during the same time, the State Department was involved in the discussion on what non-legal methods were available to subdue Assange. Again, I don't know, Eric, was that screenshot up? Uh, there's a little highlighted section. Uh Clinton openly inquired, can't we just drone this guy? So you see where... um she has wanted and what she has wanted to do with julian assange and as the head of wikileaks uh, since 2010 when she was in the state department um you know not pulling any punches there uh, they want this guy dead apparently and he as well as other hackers have embarrassed the uh, democratic party as a whole we saw debbie washerman schultz um resign in shame the night before the Democratic National Convention due to the leaks and what we'll see at 3am uh, this morning with the Assange uh, press conference and subsequent document dump I'm assuming uh, should be very interesting and I think that will give us information to cover for not only days but weeks but the question remains is and will the information be covered uh, to the extent where the american people will be able to receive it and understand it and even more importantly uh, as we talked about in the first hour uh, mentioning the debates with donald trump you know will donald trump be able to use the opportunities that he has been given and the the information that we already know about hillary clinton can he use it effective and efficiently uh we haven't seen that so much in this presidential campaign um we've seen you know the huge media bias for Hillary Clinton the covering up of her you know uh, scandals from Libya from the creation of ISIS the gun running uh, benghazi the the email scandal she's been shielded uh, completely by the media Uh, And Trump has been, you know, the one who has been attacked, has been compared to Hitler, and on and on and on. There's no end to the lies uh, the media goes to, uh, to cover up for Hillary Clinton. But if Trump is able to use this information right, that's the only way I can see, you know, him really turning the tide. I know there's still a lot of people that are undecided or on the fence or say they're on the fence. But I believe I would have to believe that most of the people already have their minds made up when it comes to this election. now, there's a lot of stuff being talked about with the donald trump trump tax situation um and from what I understand uh he reported a nine hundred and sixteen million dollar loss, something like that uh for in the casino business back in the early nineties mid nineties, and he's been just uh torn apart through the uh, in the news about his 95 tax return there was a, a leaked 1995 trump tax return scandal which focused on the the billionaire's net operating loss and how it legally enabled him not to pay taxes for years it uh one thing that's been overlooked in this and a uh, good job to zero Hedge for this a Clinton campaign admits Hillary used same tax avoidance scheme as did Trump, the same exact scheme that she is dragging him through the mud for using. Um, you know, I heard her made the comments. Uh, how anybody can lose a dollar uh, to a billion dollars in the casino industry is is hard for me to believe. And saying that this is how he manages a business and manage how he's going to manage a country, um, but. Uh, He did not have to pay taxes for uh, a number of years until 2015 due to this billion-dollar loss. Well, Hillary Clinton, who's been saying Trump is, you know, a terrible person for doing this, used the same tax maneuver, and she did so for a $700,000 loss to avoid paying taxes in 2015. Now, the Clinton campaign was quick to jump to jump on the leaked trump tax filing um with not only her out there and um making uh, comments but her campaign staff out there commenting and on social media and on interviews but you know it's just more of the same the hypocrisy um well they go on to explain that hillary's loss was not on the scale of trump's uh hillary clinton like many wealthy individuals is taking advantage of a legal scheme to use historical losses to avoid paying current taxes so she is um they say in the end and it's uh simply put uh this is the pot calling the kettle black as is so much when it comes to her campaign um but back to tr- the trump campaign while we're talking oh excuse me while we're talking about the politics um Rick Wiles, uh, last Thursday and Greg both made a great point today. Uh, Greg did about the Donald Trump being baited into talking and addressing certain issues during a debate, being taken off message. He was interrupted some 40 sometimes, according to Dave Hodges, as I was on Dave Hodges show, the common sense show last night in the third hour. And my father will be on next Sunday in the third hour with Dave, um, you know, how is Trump coming across on uh, the debates to the American people? We can't really go by polls, uh, at least not ones that the mainstream media puts out. I continue to go by the attendance of the two candidates at their rallies. And um with some of, you know, and you take into consideration how the two were treated, I would say Trump definitely came out on top. Um those who have studied Hillary Clinton, those who have studied the political history, the criminal history of the Clinton family and its ties to other criminal uh, political families here in America as well as uh, criminal nations overseas, when you see the extent of evil that this lady embodies, I mean her mentor is Saul Alinsky, who wrote a book, Rules for Radicals, dedicating the book to the first uh, radical or rebel the devil also one of her um, mentors margaret sanger uh, one of the founders of planned parenthood who openly called for you know wiping out the african american population through abortions Um, these are people that she has openly stated are her mentors and when you see the commercial, and I, have, I haven't been watching a lot of TV, but one commercial that I continue to see, if I'm at somebody's house or even at, when I'm at my own house and the TV's on, is this commercial about Trump commenting. I think it stems back to uh, an argument he had with Rosie O'Donnell back in the late <clears throat> uh, 2009, 2010 area, where he called her uh, you know, some, some pretty harsh names. And I don't remember what they were arguing about. But they show these young women, you know, and then they play Donald Trump's harsh words when he's uh, talking about Rosie O'Donnell, and it does make him look bad. And that's one area that the Clinton campaign has uh, capitalized on. Uh, Whether it is um, in context or not, it does make Trump look bad. And when you, uh, when Trump's not taking the opportunities, the advertising opportunities, and I've been seeing that Clinton commercial so much, and you don't see hardly anything about uh, Clinton. There was one interesting move that that Trump made, and that is the if uh, there's a there's a new website out there, and it is ClintonKane.com. Apparently, <clears throat> the person who originally bought the domain name ClintonKane.com offered the domain to Hillary Clinton for. $15,000, and was willing to go as low as ten. And the campaign refused to buy the domain, saying it couldn't justify that type of spending. It didn't have the money. It only had about $2,000 allotted. Well, the owner of this domain went out and found a buyer. And if you go to ClintonKane.com, you will see that the buyer was Donald Trump. And he has on there, it's a drudge-style website, And, you know, the top headline, Clinton, Sanders supporters live in parents' basement. And then they go down a list of all headlines that are true that show, you know, the true colors of the two Democratic presidential and vice presidential nominees character and previous politics from Hillary Clinton, you know, supporting abortion to Tim Kaine wanting to take away your Second Amendment rights. Uh, And I think that's very smart of what Trump did there. Um, you know, buying up domain names associated with Clinton as well as Kane and using it to show, um, their failures as politicians, as their history of politicians. Um, while we're still on Clinton, I know many of you have a question about this as I do. Does Bill Clinton have a love child? Um, many of you who opened your computers this morning and went to Judge Report saw in the big center screen there um a man named danny williams who's 30 claiming he is the biological son of former president bill clinton rumors about danny's paternity surfaced not long after his birth in 1985 when clinton was still governor of arkansas uh, danny's mother bobby ann williams who was a prostitute, says she is certain Bill Clinton is the father, since he was her only white client at the time. Folks, I'm reading this from the Daily Mail. Uh, If you want to find more information on this, you can there, as well as other, uh, there's plenty of other sources out there talking about this story. But the page also includes claims that Hillary banished him, and the Clinton campaign has refused to comment on these claims now um, there are, have been rumors out there that Clinton has had an illegitimate child in the past Uh it is now being put out there that this they have found the child and it is none other, none other than this man Danny Williams <clears throat> I'm sure we will see more of this uh story to come in the uh, future in the near future um another interesting piece of news I want to hit here before the break this from the Wall Street Journal and this has been making its rounds not only uh, today but yesterday gun show customers license plates come under scrutiny federal agents enlisted local police to scan cars plates at gun shows in the parking lots now I'm sure this, uh, this article talks about the what's happening at gun shows but just imagine when we cover this what they're doing this happening at political rallies at uh, religious events conferences church even uh, i I would say some churches and just what a wide range of um, use that this could be being done and us not having any idea about it federal agents have persuaded police officers ...to scan license plates to gather information about gun show customers, according to government emails, raising questions about how officials monitor constitutionally protected activities. Emails reviewed by the Wall Street Journal show agents with the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency created a plan in 2010 to use license plate readers and other devices that record the plate numbers of all passing by vehicles... um, To keep track of them, identify them, and uh, catalog them to see what other um, behaviors these people are engaging in. Now, we have drones uh, that carry, you know, license plate readers. We have stoplights that have license plate readers, and most police cars are equipped with them. Um, Then this information is back from 2010, but even here we had... I remember there was some issue over an open carry rally here in Erie, Pennsylvania, and the city tried to cancel it, and it was actually, uh, the event continued. But after it was said and done, um, our investigation showed that police officers were copying down license plates of people who attended and were part of the open carry rally. Now, this is being done on a massive scale, according to... um new government information on surveillance tactics. They are mass scanning uh, cars, of of license plates of cars, of people who are attending gun shows, gun rallies, and other events that are affiliated with firearms. Folks, we're going to come back with more information after this short break. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're halfway through the show, so don't go anywhere. Stay with us. (music) back ladies and gentlemen to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report we got a lot more to get into today we have information of a 40 million man Russian military drill another story I want to get into is globalism demonic many theologians say yes and starting today the military begins paying for gender reassignment surgery for soldiers Go figure Very right? interesting times Oh, look who it is Yeah, hey, I'm back uh, Now it's a party, right?
2: <laughs> and uh, thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen To the Hagman and Hagman Report I Really want to thank every, each and every one of you For uh, your belief and your trust in us We really uh, I'll tell you what, things are really moving along I was, I was talking to uh I had some communication with Steve Quayle this morning And we were talking about the uh, j- Just about how dire things are With respect to Russia, Syria things taking place in Syria of course and uh you know it's uh we're closer to war with Russia than ever before in recent history people are, are not seeing this and it's uh it's very disconcerting and of course that speaks to your evacuation drill or your uh, uh civil defense or what what's tied them about the civil defense drills back in in Russia uh folks uh let me ask you a question to to the business owners out there are you hiring Hey, are you hiring? Boy, that's a good thing if you are. Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? That's the question. You know, posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to, if you want to find the perfect person for that job, if you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. Folks, now you can. With ziprecruiter.com, you can post your job to a hundred plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single, single click. You can find candidates in any city industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. That's the really great thing about it. The dashboard, the interface, ZipRecruiter, it makes things so easy. You don't have to juggle emails. You don't have to juggle calls to your office. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, hire the right person really fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, listeners to the Hagman and Hagman Report can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free Free trial. That's one more time. Ziprecruiter.com/slash/slash/free s- s- trial or flash. Yeah, uh, I, I better say that again, just so people don't take that the wrong way. Ziprecruiter.com/slash/free trial. Try it for free, folks. Listeners to this uh, broadcast can try that for free. You got to go to the website for full details. But uh, listeners of this broadcast have have a great offer, are being offered a great. Uh, a uh, great deal by that. And that's ziprecruiter.com slash free trial. I've taken it for a ride and, uh, used it and it's really a great service. It really, it makes hiring easy, simple. Oh my goodness. It's really a great, uh, a, a, a great service. If again, if you own a small, medium, large business, if you are the head of the personnel department, try it out. ziprecruiter.com slash free trial.
1: Yeah. I caught some of your, I caught some of the program, Joe. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm away here. So. A few things that we didn't hit on, um, some of the stuff on the website, hagmanreport.com. And, folks, if if you join us late, at the beginning of the show I I mentioned at Hagman Report, um, we have been continuing to populate uh, that website, our website, with all kinds of content, from content related to shows to content we talk about during the shows. And we've been doing so on a daily basis, even putting some listener submissions up And today we noticed, if we logged ourselves out of the website, that it only uh, was updated up to September 28th, Wednesday, which, that being the case, about a week's worth of content was not seen by by many people out there. So uh, JD got on the problem real quick, fixed it, figured out what it was, fixed it, and it's back up and running fine um but some of the listener submissions uh, that i posted i'm going to redate them they're going to show up again tomorrow on the on the front uh front end um because they're really good uh, yeah. as well as some of the other important content that um that might have been missed you know since the uh, 28th of september um and we just we hope that was contained to a minimum that people were able to get the content uh, I, I, think throughout so. the I think it's it's uh, fixed but yeah, it is fixed now. So and, keep your eyes on Hagman Report, uh, here absurd. and into the near future as it is updated daily, uh, multiple times a day with a number of important stories. And one of those important stories, and you mentioned this here at the, the very beginning when you came on, the increasing tensions between the USA and Russia oh, and what man. Russia has warned, dire consequences for the USA for attacking Syrian government forces. Russia said it would have terrible Consequences. Um, this is news at antiwar.com dot com, and they say just in case everybody was sleeping, the USA has already attacked the Syrian government, and it's already happened. And Russia didn't make an if statement about future attacks; it said what would happen if this happened. Oh, see, Obama, Obama, and the sta- look the 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 Obama
2: regime, along with the Clinton and Kerry now Kerry State Department, you got you got to know that um, they are helping ISIS. They're they're funding ISIS. They're supplying ISIS. They're training ISIS. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why? Well, Obama is perfect for the job. Huma Abedin, State Department uh, uh, second in command, uh, shall we say, for uh, Hillary Clinton before her uh, uh, tenure was up, or she resigned.
1: Uh, Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, th- th- this is ridiculous. Joe, I didn't mean that. No, it, I mean... But when you see what this uh, escalation, there was a ceasefire in Syria that's been basically uh, that that has been done away with, and you see that the U.S. is not uh, the U.S. and Russia were supposed to align to to fight ISIS together. As we saw, Russia was becoming much more effective against ISIS fighters, um, be, and they were so starting to whip up and clean up parts of Iraq and Syria, mainly because they have a clear distinction of who is an enemy and who is a friend, a friend of Russia being the Syrian government, the enemy of uh, Russia being you know, ISIS fighters and those fighting the Syrian government, whereas the U.S. Um, labels ISIS, I guess, as the enemy, but um, pays Syrian moderate rebel forces right. who are anti-government uh, as some of their backers. Now, Russia has attacked those U.S. backers, and it's not really as convoluted as it sounds. The U.S. is supporting terrorism in other countries. And one of the country's allies, Russia, is saying, you know, we've had enough of this. Um, We're not going to allow this anymore to the point where they said we're going to shoot down any aircraft that interferes in Syrian airspace uh, or that comes after the Syrian government. Now, the uh what's interesting about this is now, I don't know how long this has been planned, but russia has announced that more than 40 million people are going to participate in a drill that deals with nuclear shelters and um duck and cover duck and cover duck and cover yeah an unplanned exercise to be held in russia more than 40 million people to participate in 5000 nuclear shelters to be used in moscow and that area so is this something more than an unplanned exercise or drill that russia is conducting considering the tensions and with uh, what we see between the U.S. and Russia, and the continued provocation by the United States, despite the warnings of Russia, are is Russia now just going ahead with what it had planned to do to the U.S. if the U.S. didn't back down, or fall in line? See, and, I,
2: I, and I've long stated that World War III would start in Syria, and, and we're seeing it play right out, right now, and um, our, well, uh, the Insider intelligence, insider, of course, giving us information, had uh, stipulated all of this that that uh, World War III would begin in Russia. And I, somebody asked me earlier today, when do you think World War III would begin? And I, and I just responded, it's already started. And the seeds of the Great War, the final war, I think, um, have been sown in Syria.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Go on. And what's coming out now is um, the latest I've seen is U.S. suspending diplomatic relations with Russia pertaining to Syria. Right. The Obama administration on Monday withdrew from talks with Russia over a failed ceasefire, sightings Russia's role in the <coughs> bombardment of Aleppo. The decision ends for now prospects of a truce and threatens what's Aleppo? to send. <laughs> All right, Gary. Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. yeah um the, this ends the truce and threatens to send the long civil war into perilous new directions with hopes for a political settlement more distant and uh yeah gary johnson what is the left? you know <coughs> and, and all
2: of this combined now did you know blackwater is a, is a big um Bl- blackwater of course is a, is a military a paramilitary, or, well, it's a military organization, paramilitary activities. Military Iraq.
1: contractors, subcontractors, right, right. uh, that they don't have to follow certain military rules, yet they can be paid as, uh, and do functions as, uh, military personnel. No, it's,
2: it's my understanding based on, um, information that I received, and I think this, uh, you know, we're tracing this down that Blackwater was a huge donor to the Clinton Foundation while she was Secretary of State. And this is something, too, that uh, beginning at 3 o'clock Eastern time, 3 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, we're going to be looking, we're going to be monitoring the uh, press conference of Julian Assange out of Berlin. Um I believe there's a six-hour time difference, so I think it would be 9 o'clock, uh, if I'm correct, 9 o'clock uh, local time in Berlin. And, of course, I heard you touch on it, I think it was in the first hour or the second hour. Second hour. Uh, okay, where... um he was going to give an announcement or a conference on the balcony of the embassy and of course that's been changed because of uh the serious and um, and I believe serious threats to his safety and uh, many people wonder too well why is he just uh, incrementally giving this information out that's a great question i don't have an answer for that i know that if i had information um i'm not sure if i would hang on to it however i think there is some value to that uh releasing it incrementally because of the short attention span. Now, this is not going to be covered. Uh, I mean, it, the coverage by the mainstream media here in the United States is going to be minimal, and the West is going to be minimal, Um but specifically here in the United States will be minimal. Now, I know Jones is going to be going live at 3 o'clock. We won't be going live, but we will be updating the website starting at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh tomorrow morning, folks, and if there's anything, if there's anything of significance, we will go live in the morning uh, when everyone else is awake. So while you're sleeping, don't worry; we got it covered. We got you covered. So, um, but the the information I received, I, I got a call today from a uh, you know, I'll just say, a member of the Secret Service who uh, who was in the position. And you might wonder well, why Secret Service is supposed to an intelligence agent. Secret Service is not an intelligence agency as much as it is a uh, protective detail and, of course, part of the Treasury Department. But having a, having said that, um, there was some information that this individual had about the potential leak uh, substance of the leaks. It goes back to the money, following the money on the Clinton Foundation, in in addition to some other things.
1: And what would it take at this point for uh, to derail a Clinton uh, yeah. campaign to uh, make the... Either the press or the American people stop and take a look at this information with the, you know and say, "Wow, well, uh, this really can't be true." And, and what would change the perception of the people out there? Perception, uh, nothing. I, I don't think anything because you've got people
2: that I know that you, she could be sacrificing puppies on the White House lawn, and, and no one would care. Her supporters would would find some reason to to uh, you know say that was the, the puppies deserved it. So you're right. um, However, the information I received was the the um, the data that will be disclosed will be sufficient or not sufficient, but will be enough to cause Congress to act perhaps to push for an indictment, which kind of goes back to Comey the fbi director let me just give you some information about comey because i had some questions about comey and i started looking into him and and figuring out what what his deal is did you get his uh, six foot eight uh guy by the way he's six foot eight you know that
1: no no he's a tall even more comfortable did you get ties to his hsbc ties and the clinton foundation yeah but 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 there's
2: some other stuff
1: background information
2: folks listen to this all right uh... This is not Comey's first time out investigating the Clintons, all right, nor his second. It's actually his third. The email server probe marked the third time that Comey had investigated Bill or Hillary Clinton. His first run-in came back in the mid-1990s when he joined the Senate Whitewater Committee as a deputy special counsel. Now, there he dug into uh, uh, allegations that the Clintons took part in fraud connected to Arkansas real estate ventures gone bust well no charges geez no charges were ever filed against either Clinton but the scandal itself would eventually lead to Ken Starr's probe that would result in the Lewinsky six scandal which got uh, which kind of derailed the, the um uh, the investigation in 2002 Comey was a federal prosecutor he took over the investigation into Bill Clinton's t- 2001 uh uh, pardon a financier, Mark Rich, not to be confused with Seth Rich, but Mark Rich, who had been indicted on on, on a number of charges before leaving the country. Remember that uh, Mark Rich was just uh, 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 wow, and th- then he then he fled the country, and of course, uh, Clinton pardoned Mark Rich in two thousand and one. Well, this that decision alone set off this firestorm focused on accusations that Rich's ex-wife, the niece Rich, made donations to the Democratic Party, the Clinton Library, and Hillary Clinton 2000 Senate campaign. Now folks, see, here's the thing. That debate with Trump and, 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 and Hillary Clinton, remember that comment about uh, Trump's taxes. And yeah. Trump's stuff. We covered that stuff, right? in yeah. the first hour, uh, how I, Hillary I Clinton used that. the
1: same... Tax loophole, uh, an advantage to herself when reporting a uh, seven hundred thousand dollar loss. Well, yeah, and a, well, a couple of things about this too, you, folks. You know
2: that, uh, and you probably heard that three pages of of Donald Trump's nineteen ninety five tax return were, were made public. Yeah, well, they weren't released. They were leaked. were leaked. Correct. No, and there's actually a lawsuit. I think Trump's already filed. Well, yes, filing. As well, he should because. That, that that's totally illegal and especially in the in the campaign well there will be people who will say well what's the difference if it's uh that's elite versus you know what what uh is happening with clinton there's a huge difference here but i digress and i don't want to go down that road right now but it's interesting because Comey, getting back to Comey, he had overseen Rich's prosecution between 1987 and 1993. We're back to, uh, Mark Rich now and Denise Rich. The, the epicenter of the fraud, the continuing course of criminal activity here with respect to Hillary Rodham Clinton and Bill Clinton. You can't separate the two really. That the real crux of the, of the matter is the Clinton Foundation and the Clintons pay to play in all aspects of their lives are you telling me 30 years really on the government on the taxpayers dime and and you've got bill and hillary clinton worth gazillions and that's an exaggeration of course but worth a lot of money and you've got donald trump working in the private sector not working in the in, in government service but in the private sector they're two separate distinctly different entities here trump Private sector business dealings. Regardless, if, if you if if you think well, these business dealings are you know really uh, uh, whatever you might however you might classify them, but Hillary Clinton to and and Bill Clinton to make money and to become absolutely rich. I mean, obscenely wealthy um, on, on because of their their government positions. That's much different than Trump becoming rich or taking advantage of whatever uh, tax loopholes or whatever uh, in the private sector. Totally different. But let me just let me just kind of touch back on Comey here because I got a lot to say about this. Um, All right. Okay. Uh, The Whitewater convictions, and let's don't ever forget again the criminal course of continuing criminal course of conduct, criminal conduct of, of. both Clintons. You've got the Whitewater connections. Don't forget uh, Jim Guy Tucker, governor of Arkansas at the time, was removed from office. Three counts of fraud. you got John Haley, attorney for uh, Guy Tucker, uh, Jim Guy Tucker, tax evasion. William Marks, Sr., Guy Tucker's business partner, arrested for, guess what, conspiracy. Yeah, that's a real thing, conspiracy. Stephen Smith, the former uh, aide to Governor Clinton, conspiracy to misapply funds. Now, Bill Clinton pardoned him. Man, what a gig, huh? I'd like to be pardoned. You know, yeah, you know, you just uh, seriously. None of us. You realize we get thrown under, under the bus, you know, with a felony, a legal problem. You think you think anyone's going to come to our aid to pardon us? Heck, no. <laughs> and remind me to t- tell everyone too. We got some information about. The war, the asymmetrical war That's being waged against Not just Hagman and Hagman and, uh, However, there is a war Being waged against us As truth tellers, as watchmen and, and trust me when I tell you It is a hot war and it's getting worse and worse But against the entirety Of the alt-right If that is, well as it's being described I just want to, just remind me Before we uh sign off For for the uh show but you have jim mcdougall don't forget the uh banker now he was a uh clinton political supporter 18 felonies of course against him susan McDougal, his wife uh, another clinton uh political supporter uh, multiple counts of fraud now bill clinton pardoned her david hale you got uh, and i'm not going to go through everybody chris wade uh larry kuka uh robert palmer and on and on not the robert palmer not the singer no um Ultimately, the Clintons were never charged, but in total, fifteen other persons were convicted of more than forty different criminal—I mean, forty different crimes, including Clinton's successor as governor, who was removed from office. Now, let's fast forward for a little bit. Cheryl Mills—I heard you mention Cheryl Mills, Mm Joe. All right, they were allowed to. to Yeah, you heard about the computer. Yes, yes and I, there's some other information here that I want to get into because it, you're not going to believe the research that was the, that we conducted and we found you're not going to believe what you're going to hear at the at the beginning of the next hour so i mean if you know people who are ambivalent about uh, the email scandal or the foundation scandal uh, call them up. Tell them to start listening here in about nine minutes because you're gonna you're gonna be blown away by some information that we have uncovered, and we intend to report this as well. But let me just touch on Cheryl Mills here because um, recently the chair of the Senate uh, or uh, ju- the Judiciary Committee uh, chair, Senator Grassley, uh, spo- had written and communicated about. State Department uh, uh, Tenio employee Huma Abedin Collecting political intelligence Gleaned from unsuspecting State Department officials That was then sold for a price Now This is so Unbelievably egregious I mean there are so many aspects To to what's taking place The email crimes The email criminal activity the clinton foundation in hillary clinton's position as secretary of state once you start connecting all of the dots and there are so many dots to connect and then you've got obama and his people over here how when you start overlapping and overlaying everything oh my goodness and start connecting the dots it's amazing but back a year ago in june of last year grassley wrote a letter uh uh, and documented this to this Judiciary Committee about um, Huma Abedin, Cheryl Mills, and Clinton, and all of this. If folks, recall that Huma Abedin was a government employee at the Department of State. Hillary facilitated Huma Abedin having several other jobs concurrent with her position at State. Remember that? One was Huma Abedin working for tenure the powerhouse company that's purported to be the vehicle foreign entities used to get access to the Clintons. The tenio Tenyo Corporation is the gatekeeper of sorts to the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation and Clinton as Secretary of State. Now, it appears that one of Huma Abedin's clients, the Clinton-connected Tenyo Strategies, may have been compensating Huma Abedin for gathering information from U.S. government sources for the purpose of informing investment decisions of our consulting clients. In other words, gathering and and giving or selling political intelligence. Did you, folks, did you hear that? It's important to understand that. This raises so many questions, not just ethical, but legal questions. About whether Huma Abedin's dual role, that with Tenio, and that as her uh, position as second in command to, to Hillary, or second, to, or assistant to Hillary during her role at the Department of State, was adequately disclosed, disclosed to government officials who may have provided her information without realizing that she was being paid by private investors to gather information. This is the ultimate insider's insider. This is. This is. Uh, This is worse than playing with marked cards. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Now Grassley, you can folks. uh, We're going to find Grassley's communication or or post-Grassley's communication. Um, Grassley had recounted that Abedin sent or received more than seven thousand emails. Seven thousand herself on 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 her U.S. government account that involved Tenio's dug band. Remember that name being. Thrown about Doug Band. Remember, mm-hmm. Band being the the subject in the, the subject line of those emails. Well, this is this is where when you start looking at what's what's this all about. This is where it is. Doug Band, the close confidant and travel companion of Bill Clinton. It's just not Hillary. It's Bill too. And Bill's got more problems than her. His moral and spiritual bankruptcy and and his. Uh, uh, unwillingness to acknowledge his love child, although that, that makes for good tabloid. No, no. This is legal. I mean, this stuff is espionage level activity. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com. This is where you go for information like this, HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com for show information, for show anything related to the show. There you can get all of the venues, Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much for carrying our program, YouTube, as well as uh, Blog Talk Radio. We are going to be right back. Thanks, Joe, for covering me while I was gone. And by the way, Eric was late to the studio today. You might want to ask Eric what happened. Somebody broke into his vehicle. Eric is on the warpath. Watch <laughs> out! He's hunt. He's a hunt. Folks, uh, we're gonna be right back right after this. Stay right where you're at. <laughs> Hagman and Hagman Report, coming to you live. That's right, just hours away from the uh, uh, WikiLeak dump, the much-celebrated. Will it be? Will it live up to the expectations? We think it just might, given the uh, inside baseball information that we've been getting, and we're going to be covering that live starting at 3 o'clock. Well, when I say live, we're going to be watching that, monitoring that, uh, revelation and of course uh, reporting on hagmanreport.com. So folks bookmark hagmanreport.com. Stay tuned. And of course that's closely tied with Facebook, our Facebook page. Enjoy, like us at uh, hagmanreport on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter as well at hagmanreport.com. Uh, this is going to be important stuff. And uh, the information that we have right now is it's indictable. And, of course, Joe, you mentioned the point, well, you know, what would it take given, given what we have so far? The uh, the information that, uh, that I've been, that's been whispered in my ear, if you will, is, is things that Congress can't ignore. And it's going to be interesting because this could very well cause or constitute a constitutional crisis. Any number of things right now could constitute that that, uh, constitutional crisis, couldn't it? Indeed. Now, what would happen if we took out or if they took out Hillary Clinton, if she was uh, indicted? Or let's just say that uh, she uh, said, no, I'm not going to run, I can't do it, or something happened, she had a stroke, or who knows? Any number of things. What would happen? Uh, Well, you think you know, right? You think you know because it doesn't, the Constitution, isn't it clear? Well, not so much, is this what we're what they're pushing us to a constitutional crisis, and then of course you've got the the precipice of World War three, which we are already engaged I believe Joe that that we're uh, up until now we've been fighting a proxy war against Russia in Syria Syria is ground zero for that, but I think things are now becoming um becoming hot they're becoming more um I mean, things are about ready to pop everywhere, including, and you talked about this, uh, in, you referenced this the first hour, the economic woes of the country and of the world. See, the, the whole thing is, uh, they're not just gonna, the globalists are not gonna just crash America's economy, they're gonna crash the global economy. That's what their objective is. But getting back to, and I just wanna finish this because this is really, to me, this, is, these are important revelations. When you look back at uh, the Clinton's Hillary Clinton's and Bill Clinton's their lives, their, uh, of course Bill Clinton being the president, and prior to that being the governor of Arkansas and the attorney general back in Arkansas, but you fast forward to uh, uh, Hillary being the senator from New York. Boy, I remember many times getting caught up in the uh, <laughs> in the traffic there, but in on january 21st of 09 hillary clinton was sworn in as sec- secretary of state um bill clinton assisting uh administered by judge uh overly back in uh oh you you remember that sw- uh, swearing in ceremony she resigned from the senate of, from new york at the same time she was confirmed by the senate earlier the same day anyway uh, as secretary of state and um she served as Secretary of State from January 21st of 2009 through February of 2013. Now, the overlayment of the Clinton Foundation and emails and everything, listen to this. Um, going into her position, Joe and, and folks at uh, on January 21st of 2009, she already had an email account. She already had her server um, at her home. Her server was installed at her house in Chappaqua, New York, and it remained there. Her IT expert at the time is Brian Pagliano. Now you remember he was given immunity, but he, had mm-hmm. though he pleaded the fifth, yes. See, and, and, and there's different types of immunity. There's blanket immunity, and anyone who's been an, an investigator or police officer, you know this. Um, there's blanket immunity where, uh, unless, you, unless, for example. Um, with respect to emails, you're immune from prose- prosecution as long as you testify truthfully to what you're being asked, um, short of you know murder or kidnapping or things like that. And then there's limited immunity, where that immunity is granted um, with conditions, conditional immunity perhaps. But uh, so it, it seems to me that if Pagliano and there's really no way to tell at this point with any degree of precision with Pagliano and four others were, were given blanket immunity or conditional immunity. If they were given uh, blanket immunity, there'd be no reason to plead the fifth except, except to cover the sixes of Hillary and others. It's very interesting. But Clinton arrived at the state department on January 22nd, 2009. Her servers were already in place in her house. Um, it's interesting because the Washington Post would report that four computer security specialists in interviewed by the Post said that uh, um, having a, a server at her house yeah, is reasonably secure but it would need constant monitoring by people trained to look for irregular, irregularities on the server's logs that never happened and um, um, to do so you'd need a small team of IT experts of course that those were never provided now At the same time that Clinton took the office of Secretary of State, the State Department allowed the use of home computers for government officials as long as they are secure. Again, this was, uh, this was made, um, well, there appeared to have been no prohibition on the exclusive use of a private server. Did not appear, it does not appear to be an option anyone had thought about. This, according to the New York Times, dated August 8th of 2015. But the State Department requires that computers be officially certified as secure. No evidence emerged that Clinton's server was ever deemed secure, so there's a violation of the State Department uh, guidelines. And additionally, the Department's Foreign Affairs Manual, which is FAM, by the way, states that only department-issued or approved systems are authorized to connect to the Department uh, computer enterprise networks. Now, one reason that Clinton might want to use a private server is that the State Department computer systems at the time were widely considered inadequate and frustrating. One result of using a private server is that only a a small fraction of emails used on the department systems would be permanently archived. Okay, but now here's where things kind of take a really dark twist. The State Department on or about January 21st when she was sworn in, to the, as the Secretary of State, the State Department set up a secure, classified email account for Hillary Clinton. But you know what? She never used it. There was a letter, uh, dated September 2015 from Julia Fryfield, the Department's Assistant Secretary of State for Legislative Affairs, and she stated this Clinton, Secretary Clinton did not use, did not use a classified email email account at, at at the State Department. An account was set up for uh, for her on ClassNet but it was not never used. It was never used. ClassNet involves State Department workstations designed to allow employees to view classified information. This is the forum. This is the venue that you read and, and look at and uh, archive classified information. In 2015 Clinton's website did address how she read classified information and I quote this from uh, Hillaryclinton.com dated 730 or 713 2015 the secretary's office was located in the secure area classified information was viewed in hard copy by Clinton while in office while in the office while on travel the State Department had rigorous pro- protocols for her and traveling staff to receive and transmit information of all types. Now, this is Clinton talking. <laughs> the truth of the matter is totally different. From the time that she was installed in sec- as Secretary of State until February 1st of 2013, hundreds of classified emails are, were sent or received by Clinton while she's outside the United States, including some to and from Obama. don't forget the multiple devices that she did use um, that she had lost you ready for this track of also okay how many devices do you think clinton had either um
1: sequentially or concurrently at one time well between her her phone devices and and her personal laptops i'd say about five at any given time at once okay now in 2015 after it became public knowledge that Clinton
2: exclusively used a private email account for, for all of her email usage, she'll claim that she did this for convenience. Why? Because she didn't want to carry more than one, one, one device, right? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Clinton used, count them, 11 different Blackberries and four iPads while she is Secretary of State. 11 Blackberries and four iPads. Not, not all at the same time. But there was some overlap, and some were gone, or some were lost. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many she broke in fits of rage. Yeah, threw it at Bill Clinton's head. Well, well, the FBI determined through their investigation, and Comey uh, verified this that Clinton actually used in succession, or overlapping, eleven email-capable Blackberries while well, Secretary of State. She used two or more Blackberries with the same phone number after her tenure at Sec at uh, Secretary mm-hmm. of State. Now. How many were the was the, were the were the FBI um, uh, able to obtain
1: to examine two? <laughs> none of the blackberries. Oh, none of the blackberries. Oh, yeah. I know that they there was a video done of a montage of clips of Clinton and Comey, where they showed Clinton making uh, or answering questions about her private email server the devices that were used, the type of information that was sent over it, basically a list of all the lies she told. Right. And then, you know, uh, after she would answer a question with a lie, they would show James Comey answering uh, a question or giving a statement pertaining to the statement she just made, you know, uh, basically... Proving that what she said was a lie, you know did you ever use more than one device all Hillary Clinton no, I did not. then it would show James Comey did Hillary Clinton ever use more than one device? Yes, she did, yeah, and it would go on and on and on for uh you know point after point after point, showing that Hillary Clinton lied just about every step of the way. James Comey verified that every step That's of the right. way and then refused to uh call her to a grand jury, let alone even in charge her or, or indict her well. Yeah,
2: and Clinton aide Monica Hanley, she was the she was identified as the person who would often go out and buy blackberries for Clinton from AT and T stores. Justin Cooper, a Bill Clinton aide who helped to run Bill Clinton's the Clinton's private server, he was the one that set up and then synced the blackberries to the server so Hillary could access her email inbox. Now, according to an FBI interview with uh, Huma Abedin, it was not uncommon for Clinton to use a new Blackberry for a few days and then immediately switch it out for an older version with which she was more familiar. Man, I understand that. But see, this is the kind of information that the mainstream media just ignores or, or refuses to report on so eleven different blackberries, four iPads. while well, she's Secretary of State, and the FBI was got none of the blackberries, and only uh, the now the FBI identified five iPad devices. Um, they were only able to obtain three of the iPads, but only were able to examine two of them. All right now why what happened to the third i'm not sure except well there there's an indication there that hillary had given that ipad to someone as a gift and the fbi never sought that that rogue ipad out so go figure 11 blackberries four ipads and out of that the fbi was only able to examine um two of those now in uh, right through, uh, dur- during the period of, of January 21st through uh, uh, 2009 through March 29th 2009, Clinton's private email server, now listen to this, it operated without even the standard ec- encryption generally
1: used on the internet. <sighs> yeah. And when you think about the type of information that was being shared over that server, not just with her, but with All her aides and the other employees of the Department of State's intelligence contacts and members of foreign governments. That's right. The amount of information that hackers um, and even people who are just stumbling around the internet that don't even know half what they're doing that they could gathered could have gathered by, you know, not even targeting her, but those who would have targeted her or her server could have gained access to any and everything she had on the file, even. You know, we talk about stories of how um, different intelligence agencies and even James Comey came out and said, I put tape over my webcam to make sure, you know, nobody can watch me. Yeah, and we're the conspiracy nuts, right? Yeah. I mean, these people could have hacked her system so much so that they could have been sitting there watching and listening to everything she said and did. Well, and 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 this is, I mean, from the lack of So what you just said what was discussed
2: via email listen to this this has been verified through investigations during that time period where there's no encryption no normal encryption clinton and her aides exchanged emails discussing north korea mexico afghanistan the military advisors in general cia operations and even a briefing for obama some of the emails were later uh, would uh, would later be redacted because of classification concerns, including one written to Clinton about Afghanistan's uh, President Hamid Karzai. All right. Now, in late March of. Uh, uh, at some point, I believe this is, uh, Yeah, ahead? I'm thinking this was 2000. Yeah, it was late in March of 2009. Jake Sullivan, a top aide to uh, Clinton emailed a draft to her uh, of a confidential report she was to make to Obama in, in fact he attached it EC wrote attaches a draft uh, of your report uh, uh, I'm sorry attaches a draft draft of your Mexico Mexico trip report to Obama that was reported in the Washington Post on March 27th of this year now during the two months, the first couple of months of uh, 2016, uh, well, I, I'm not going to... You know what? I'm, during her tenure, at different times during her tenure, Clinton traveled to Belgium, Switzerland, Egypt, Israel, Turkey, Mexico, Japan, South Korea, China. Her emails would have almost no defense against eavesdropping by in foreign intelligence and hackers during those trips because she was outside uh, of the United States and, of course, the uh, surveillance, the electronic surveillance of her devices. Because there was no security on the devices, it was much easier to uh, to uh, penetrate. Some intelligence agencies are known to attempt eavesdropping, and they do eavesdrop, which is why, and a lot of people don't know this, there are special rooms in, in the government buildings, State Department, where you go in. And you look at the classified material you're not allowed to take notes. you're not allowed to take anything in or out. It is a room that's balled off any communications the devices there are there for you, but Clinton, on the other hand, did not do this now on September sixteenth or September of this past year, FBI determined that and and folks you know this that clinton's uh clinton dot or clinton email dot com was potentially vulnerable to compromise when she first began using her personal email account when she was sworn in as Secretary of State. It was not until March of 2009 that access to the server was even given the the smallest level of security. This was contained in the FBI report uh, earlier last month. Now, in her time, as Secretary of State Clinton uses only her private email account on her private server for all of her work and personal emails. Remember all of this hooey about different accounts? Folks, she only used her private email server. There are 62,320 emails sent to or from her HDR, Hillary Diane Rodham 22 at ClintonEmail.com address. Do you hear what I said? uh, 62,320 emails sent to that address. That's an average of about 300 emails per week or about 1,300 per month. Clinton would later say that roughly half of those, about 32,000, were private in nature, and she would delete them before investigators could even look at them, and that's what she did. Of course, she did that through Cheryl Mills and a couple of other individuals, which we have their names now. And as we're looking at this, we're realizing that they don't have class. They they have got no uh, cert, uh, um, certification to, to view any classified classified emails. Most of her emails, according to the Washington Post, now coming out saying uh, they were routine. Um, but it's interesting because some of those emails involved the coordination of efforts by the State Department in Haiti with the Clinton Foundation their role in Haiti. Think about that. The overlap. Remember that big criminal, the criminal allegations uh, about Hillary Clinton or the Clinton Foundation with respect to Haiti and the, the misappropriation of funds with Haiti or to about Haiti. That's what these emails contain, especially the ones that are purportedly deleted. 2,093 email chains contain classified information, according to the research findings. That's 2,093. That's what we know of in the 32,000 that were uh, not deleted. Clinton herself authored 104 emails that contain classified material. 104 emails that contain classified material. Now, there's no getting around, oh, well, it wasn't classified before. No, it was classified right from the moment, the keystroke. So she authored 104. This is what investigation found of the emails that have been released. 104 of those emails contain classified information. Comey did not say this. Right? 22 of her emails... Um, were later determined to be top secret or even higher than top secret in some cases due to the mention of highly secretive secret access programs. Or so much SAP. so
1: Congress couldn't read them. Yes,
2: that is correct and New York Times reported on that back in January of this year. From during her entire tenure as Secretary of State Clinton is unable to check her email in her office for the entire four years. Now, She's said to be addicted to checking her email on her BlackBerry. We we know this. But security officials refuse to let her take her BlackBerry into her office. Now, early in her tenure as Secretary of State, security officials offer to install a secure computer with Internet access in her office, basically saying, look, here, let, let us set this up for you in your office where you can check your email. But she doesn't want it, never gets one. Instead, what does she do? She was out in the balcony. That's right. Open air to check her emails and to send and receive classified information on her BlackBerry. Really? You know, John Schindler, a former NSA counterintelligence officer, would later state that... uh, why Mrs. Cl- or Ms. Clinton would not simply check her personal email on an office computer like every other government employee less senior than the president seems to seems a germane question given what a major uh, scandal email gate turned out to be. This is reported, uh, the statement was reported for those wanting uh, details by the New York Observer on March 18th of this year. So uh, there we've got some information, and notice how this is all um, this is all overlapping. And one last thing. Sid Blumenthal figures prominently into all of this. During her entire time at, at uh, Secretary of State, Sid Blumenthal sends Clinton over 800 emails. Many contain a serious and uh, well, somewhat dubious levels of uh, intelligence. No pun intended there. The, now, that's about on average about one email every other day for clinton's four years as secretary of state blumenthal who is he he's a journalist he's a longtime clinton confidant and clinton foundation employee clinton foundation employee folks he's a private citizen he's got no security clearance his emails were never vetted by u.s intelligence in, uh, last year, the New York Times reported that Clinton took Mr. Blumenthal's advice seriously. Again, Clinton confidant. <laughs> you know, uh, oh man, if you guys could read half of his emails. Yes. And, and we do have, now we've done here at, at our studios and offices, what we've done is we've created, uh, a number. I mean, we've got actually uh, more than one, um, Detachable hard drives, and, and I, th- I think we have three of them, maybe four now. They're one terabyte in, uh, uh, they're, they're a terabyte each, and we've downloaded not just the emails, but also the foundation donors. Every bit of open source and leaked intelligence we've downloaded for further research and for continuous research. And those include the emails from Blumenthal. And many of the Blumenthal's uh, many of Blumenthal's emails talk about Libya, and remember, of course, Benghazi. Uh, now he Blumenthal got involved with business associates wanting to uh, secure contracts with a new Libyan government that Hillary Clinton was working and Huma Abedin was working. And, uh, from the state level and then the foundation from a different level, from the private level. Now, Clinton State mm-hmm. Department would have to give permits for the contracts, but the business plan fell apart before Blumenthal and his partners could seek official approval. But nonetheless, the emails memorialized these attempts.
1: And one of the things that I've found that we have not covered on this show at a great length were the huge number of correspondence from 2000 and, beginning of 2011 all the way up till before September of 2012 the, until the Benghazi attack where Hillary Clinton and Sidney Blumenthal in their discussions with each other she gave away key um, descriptions to his location and when I say his I mean Ambassador Chris Stevens and security company on f- at least four different occasions I read in a period of five months where she gave the exact location through her unsecure server via the email. And uh, it was not only that, the call, the uh, request for sec- uh, extra security and um, the different movements and locations to try to get the different uh, Stevens to meet with these different peoples. When their meetings were going to be, where their meetings were going to be, and who they were going to be with, all went out through the email servers which were unsecured at the time and right before the taking, uh, that information as anybody who was able to hack and access her server. Folks, we're going to be right back with our final segment after these short messages. Stay with us.
2: To the Hagman and Hagman report just hours away from a wiki leak uh
1: leak. Yeah. Hopefully uh, everything yeah. that uh we anticipate will be there from uh you know a uncensored look at the Clinton emails to maybe some information and uh things we did not know that Clinton had done or said in the past that can come back and be used against her both criminally and at least liable for the uh this selection cycle
2: well, you know what the the information we have for, from our confidential source is that the information coming out that this this round of information will raise the eyebrows and get the attention of some uh members of congress
1: but you know what if I can say this yeah if the information that's um already that we already know about Hillary Clinton from if that hasn't sunk her. her right. body count to all yeah. of these scandals while she was in, in the State Department to before and after that, if that has not been enough to take her out politically, as you said earlier, you know, killing babies on the White House front lawn video of it wouldn't be enough now.
2: Well, yeah, and I, and I believe, too, that there's, um, in addition to that, well, at the center of that body count, i I do believe that there is a Vince Foster element there, all right now that's all I'm gonna say on the matter. Uh, there's a Vince Foster element there uh you know as we get toward winter and, and winter's gonna come fast, folks would you like to curl up next to your fireplace and and just maybe uh may, may, maybe you'd like to read about the end end of days or end times, but you'd like a lighter fictional account well. Let me direct your attention to T.C. Joseph's This Generation series of novels. I gotta tell you, T.C. Joseph has written three fantastic books. It's, you can find it at thisgenerationseries.com. That's thisgenerationseries.com. Folks, I read these books and I'll tell you something. They are really engaging. In fact, you can give these books to people who are Non-believers or, ah, uh, you know, just on the fence. And trust me when I tell you this, the information in these books, matched with today's headlines, will do much to make believers out of them. Now in this, in a, just a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families in a world where conspiracy theories and Bible prophecies collide. T.C.'s novels move through recent history to the events that are just on our horizon. His witty style and fascinating characters provide a great read. Not only will you love these books as I have, but they can be a great tool, as I mentioned, to awaken friends and family members to the perilous times in which we face. Kirkus Reviews states, and I quote, readers of end times fiction will be hard pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast paced. Now, Blue Ink Reviews calls his, calls this thought-provoking series, series absolutely riveting. Folks, get your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series on Amazon.com today. Book one, Precipice. Book two, Pentecost. And coming shortly. Book three, Penance. That's ThisGenerationSeries.com. Folks, you won't be sorry about, the. Uh, you, you're gonna be absolutely thrilled when you get the, get the, uh, uh, the books but yes uh, uh, the last segment we talked about the Clinton Foundation we talked about Clinton emails and such Uh, I want to open this up I just want to make a statement right now about things that are happening there's an asymmetrical war being waged against the, the truth tellers against watchmen against conservatives and Christians alike but if you are a Christian conservative that's a double whammy for you. I've got a notification today from YouTube, for example, that Friday's episode, uh, news and, and listener questions, was not up to the standards. Was not advertiser friendly. Basically, we uh, somebody had filed. Uh, people had filed complaints saying that that episode, that episode, violated. Standards and it was demonetized. Now, he just just some background information to offset production costs and, and studio costs, and and to help us get our word to a hundred and ten countries last year, and to pay the costs of um, to offset the costs, I should say, of operations. See, we monetize our, our videos. Okay. although we are a listener supported show and we thank each and every one of you for that most of the time it just doesn't do the trick so we have to seek and obtain other sources of revenue so we can expand stay on the air and expand and maybe we can go to 115 countries and instead of 64.5 million downloads last year maybe we can get it up to 75 million who knows but the more people that we're able to touch and to inform and to inspire that's what we're we've been led to do but it does cost money i'm sorry but it does mm-hmm. well here's what's happened just to let everyone know there are a number of enemies out there the obvious enemies the progressive leftists the democratic national socialists the the people who celebrate the re- redefinition, re- redefining marriage, the, the, those who embrace homosexuality and, and who celebrate the abortion, of course, of course, they're going to find our content objectionable. We expect that. But the ace, a- asymmetry of warfare, it's gone another step. You see, there are people out there who are ostensibly, they say, oh, we're on your side we're christians ourselves we have our own broadcasting platform we walk in lockstep with you arm in arm with you except that arm at the end of it is a hand and inside in that hand is a knife and it's right on your back you see there are people out there and groups and organizations who fancy themselves and call themselves christians but in fact will take and, and they will in, in, in wholesale numbers, perhaps, or in the numbers that they can assemble, they will take and file objections on whatever platform that we and others, we're not alone in this, others, they're competition, so to speak. And, you know, there are these smaller entities out there who proclaim themselves to be Christians, but what they are attempting to do is take, take us down, or at least they, they can't take us down. So they will affect us kind of like a death through a thousand paper cuts. Keep us busy and, and keep us on defense. And that's what we're seeing right now. So just what I'm telling you is this. And you're going to see this, ladies and gentlemen, each and every one of you who are Christians who are giving, talking about the, the word and talking about morality and spirituality. You're going to experience this in your own families. You're going to have in in your own neighborhoods, in your own jobs. You might want, an analogy would be this. You're going to be working one day and and you're going to have a, you're going to have a, a Bible on your desk maybe or a Bible on your shelf and someone's going to complain that, 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 uh, about that to human resources. The very person who says, "Yeah, you know, uh, go ahead. I, you know, I read or I read proverbs every day. I read psalms every day." But whether it's out of jealousy, envy, spite, whatever, they will turn you in. Maybe because they want your position, or maybe it's just to garner favor with those people. You know, the uh, the management. That, that's an analogy to what we're seeing today. The reason I brought this up is this is becoming more and more insidious, and the infiltration is even greater. Folks, the war is heating up, and the war for information is heating up. And I just want to let everyone know, I want you to understand this, because we are, we are busy fighting these attacks, and these attacks, whether they are attacks like censorship attempts to censor or attempts to censor by taking out the monetization which okay you know that's it, it's just a time consuming process to 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 uh, to fight against that but it's taking place so it's attempting to defund this operation and others like it and it's an attempt to to uh uh well there are numerous other ways uh, lawfare for example um And I'm not going to get into all of that, but all of this, I I just want to mention this, all of this is heating up now, and I've never seen it at this level. Steve Quayle and I were talking about this earlier today, where things are just breaking loose in all aspects. You know, they want, uh, not, not, not just with the obvious enemies, as I said, but even within the body of the church, the body of the Christian community. So be very careful, ladies and gentlemen who you trust. And that brings me to another uh another thought here too, as we get closer to whatever event horizon there might be. You know, I I I look at, at I look at the landscape and I wonder how many people will sell us, sell you um to the enemy for a meal, for whatever it might be you know they're hungry or they're they they want a, a seat at the globalist table or they want a favor from from those who are uh attempting to subjugate all of us so that they're going to sell us out watch who you trust and and that's hard for me to say it it really is it it, it is it, it but watch who you trust because it's uh It's a whole new—it's a whole new environment out there. I never mm-hmm. thought I'd see what, what I'm what I'm seeing now. I've never—I th- never thought I'd see Joe the, the 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 viciousness of people, and then the the very same people come out and say, "Oh, uh, I'm just I'm just preaching the word of God," really? Wow. You know, I, I'm not a—I'm not a minister. I'm not—I'm not a pastor. I don't—I don't, I don't even—I'm so far away from that. And I say that all the time. And, and I, I thank God I'm not because I don't, I don't think I could handle that job. That takes a special person. See, I'm an investigator by profession and, and I'm able to see patterns. I'm able to identify, uh, courses of behavior and analyze behavior. And I'm, I'm seeing this and I'm seeing some really wretched things. So folks just bear that. Keep that in mind and uh, understand that we are all under attack and you're going to be as well. If you stand for what is right, you're going to be as well. But at the same time, and I heard this earlier, you said it two or three different times, Joe, we all should have an attitude of gratitude. I like that, an attitude of gratitude. Um You're you talking about that before.
1: Yeah, Greg Jackson was talking about, you know, how uh, insignificant the amount of time we spend on this earth is, you know, compared to yeah, one dot on the a, paper, right? Uh, compared to eternity, and when you think about all the things that we complain about, even though you know our most of our basic needs uh, are are taken care of, we still complain and are unhappy, and you know, if we're inconvenienced in any way, we we tend to get on the grumpy side, and yeah, and of it, course, you know, it, it it can screw up our whole day, but we need to. You know, reverse that and have that attitude of gratitude because not only will it change the, the, your perception and the way you look at life, it'll open your, your heart up too, um, to being more compassionate and more loving towards others. And so many people are hard hearted today that, you know, at least the Christians, those who are Christians can, can try to be more grateful, um, even when they're going through difficult and tough times because we know that they are only temporary and that they are only, uh, in the physical, not in the spiritual, um, uh, when everything's said and done. Yeah. So being grateful is something that, uh, doesn't come naturally. I don't think for any of us. No, you know, uh, it's,
2: it's easy to, it's easy to be grumpy. It, it, it grumpy is kind of like Joe, uh, kids around with me. Well, not, not really. Kid. I think he's, I mean, it's, it's, he's serious. You know, my default is, is grouchy. Um, and it, it takes work. Mm-hmm. It, it takes work not to be. It takes work to, to, to not be, uh, that way. And, and I have to say, when you sit down and you realize where we are, I mean, my goodness, folks, most of the people listening to this broadcast are living in relative comfort. You're not listening to this on the battlefields or on the streets of Syria, for example, or Aleppo. Um, or, or Damascus. Although we do have some listeners in the Middle East, chances are you're not listening to this as you're waiting for the next rocket to fall. Now we have, of course, listeners who are, d- are driving patrol cars and, and once in a while taking on, uh, on bullets and, uh, uh, riders, but.
1: And everybody has problems. It yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, you could, you know, be, uh, a hundred thousand dollars in debt today and yep. win a hundred million dollars tomorrow. That's not going to guarantee you any kind of happiness no, at no, all. It's not. Everything. Everybody looks at everybody else's situation and thinks, "Oh, if I only had this, or if yep. uh, things were only going this way for me, or if I only had this job or that amount of money, everything would be perfect." And that's not the case. Um, um, no,
2: it's not. And never. It it it's, it's easier. No, and the grass is always. That's what my my father used to tell me. Oh, the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. Um, until you, until you get on the other side and, and you realize that now you've got the same problems or you've got, the, it's, it's a mental, it's a mindset among us. Mm-hmm. And we have to, and I think we have to really understand, number one, I mean, we have to have the attitude of gratitude because we have to be thankful for what we do have. Um, and I remember earlier, earlier this year, uh, you know, it, it it's something when, when my wife was, um, uh, stricken with, uh, uh, I thought it was a heart attack it was you know during the early early dark hours of the morning and uh you know she she had awakened me and said L- I think I'm having a heart attack and you know at that moment at that very moment there's nothing else in life that matters you know it, it, the status of your mortgage doesn't matter the car payment doesn't matter what you're going to do the, that day or that that inconvenient meeting that you have scheduled that doesn't matter and that could happen to you tonight. And we have to put things in perspective, don't we? We have to have that attitude of gratitude. We have to have that, that feeling that, well, we have to have perspective. And once we have that perspective, I do believe that we'll be a lot happier each and every one of us. And we have to have faith in God that God knows what is best for us. Now that doesn't mean we can just kind of lay back and uh, be on autopilot. No, we have to, we have to occupy and we have to do things, but it doesn't mean that, uh, uh, I mean we're gonna have problems. Sure, we're gonna have problems. But as long as there's breath, there's life, there's hope. Regardless of your situation. And we have a lot of people listening who are Impaired and, and confined to their homes and hospital beds. One person I know is, is confined to his hospital bed right now. Uh, Paul, I want to just say that, uh, you know, we're praying for you, but, but, you know, it's, um, but even he, even he said, look, it could be a lot worse.
1: And think about that.
2: You know, it could be a lot worse yeah. for all of us, regardless of station. Go ahead, John.
1: Yeah, it could. Um, while we have a few minutes here, I want to go over the schedule, uh, with you guys for this week as we are coming down to our last, uh, about sure. eight minutes, 10 minutes in the show. Um, as the schedule loads here, we have, um, this week, starting tomorrow, we have Dr. Mike Spalding right. in hour number two, mm-hmm. followed by Stan Dale in hour number three. Okay. Wednesday for hours two and three. Uh, Brandon House. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a, a good guest. Yep. Uh, yeah, he's an author of several books uh, dealing with doctrinal issues. For two hours on Thursday, from eight to ten, Paul McGuire will be our guest. Oh man, Paul's got a lot to say coming up this this segment over
2: this uh, this week.
1: And then uh, closing out the week on Friday, author Dan Goodwin, his la- latest book, God's Final Jubilee. Uh, as well he's working on another book and a free conference he has coming up in, on October 15th we're going to be talking about that and look for uh, information on the Hagin Report about that I'm going to post the pamphlet for his free conference it's being held in Minnesota so if you're anywhere in in Minnesota and you're able to, and around that area and you want to go to a conference for free I guess you only have to pay for your hotel rooms or wherever you're going to stay um You'll yeah. be able to do that and we'll post that information. Well, no, at Hagman Paul, back with
2: Paul McGuire going to be talking about the, uh, on Thursday going to be talking about some, some extremely serious geopolitical events. And then Dan Goodwin on, on Friday talking about the prophetic implications of, of picking up. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a good one 2 punch how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. So folks to, tune in this week. And by the way, um, I want to thank people who are subscribing to our YouTube channel that does elevate our rankings it elevates our visibility so if you haven't done so already please subscribe to our youtube channel as well as our social social network working um uh channels as well that's facebook at hagman report facebook hagman report and uh, twitter at hagman report And the reason we ask you to do that is we're using the communication system of the globalists uh, to spread the word it's kind of like having a and in with the um, a communication, uh, we're using well. That's simple as that. We're using a communication uh, system of the globalists to advance our objectives or God's objectives, I should say, not ours but God's, yeah. and uh, uh, using their tools against them.
1: And let me add this: the uh, internet was apparently handed over. Was yes, it not? yes, it was. Well, the I can.
2: Uh, I see. Yes, the ICANN was handed over effective, and that you know what, Joe? That shows you the spineless eunuch heh, nature of our
1: Congress. They could have stopped that. I thought they were going to.
2: And They, um, they know they handed oh, no. over
1: no issue, and here you go. Um, kind of like the Panama
2: Canal back in nineteen ninety nine. Remember that Carter gave it away in, in the uh, what it was the seventy
1: nine and ninety nine? It went to yeah, and his most um. Uh, just about every guest we talked about on, on our show about this uh, has said that, you know, the results uh, from this move would not be uh, felt immediately, that it would be uh, a slow crossover and convergence, specifically used. when dealing with, you know, shutting down and countering political opposition speak and, and uh, you know, uh, seeing the effects from it would, would take a little bit of time. See, there's, now, there's gotta, always going to be an Internet.
2: Just, to, just There's
1: mm-hmm. always going to be an Internet. The use and the... Um, just like there's always journalism, it just doesn't mean it's there honest and, uh, and fair. Yep. Um, if there's a real, if this, if Assange is for real in his I threads of yes, an exactly. October surprise, do you think that there's anything we need to be concerned about that might just um, happen in the next 24 hours that would take focus away from what Assange would release? There's always that possibility.
2: There, there's always that possibility. There is always a possibility, right
1: always a possibility but yeah. we're dealing with the Clinton, so I well, have to
2: ask. I would look toward, um, yes, I, I, yes, however, at what point do you stop? You know, you're never going to stop the, um, uh, the refreshment of the Drudge Report page, for example, it's always going it, right. to it's it's like it's like watching a news ticker. If you have ever seen those, um, you go to Times Square and you see the the news tickers on the on the bottom of the of the screens. Mm-hmm. They're always going to go. I mean, they're always going and going and going and going. It's the attention span of the American people, in particular, and of the West in general, that really needs to refocus. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think we should watch for. Maybe a Monica missile, if you will, from the Clinton camp. Um yes, I, I think it could very well, there could very well be something that would happen that would deflect the intensity. However, it's my understanding, and I'll, and I'll just leave it at this, I believe that whatever is released from Assange, and folks, by the way, we're going to be covering this at 3 o'clock, beginning at 3 o'clock Eastern time, AM tomorrow, just uh, several hours from now, uh, we're not going to go live or anything like that. Alex Jones is. You can go ahead and... But We're going to be in office manning, you know, the, with coffee, purple sticks from Health Masters and uh, some vitamin B12 and, and vitamin C. But we're going to be manning this and monitoring this at 3 o'clock, beginning then, and posting the Hagman Report as well as our social networking page. But, but you know, it, we need to rely on the um, focus of the people who are... Listening and paying attention. It's you folks we need to rely upon and to to get the message out and to maintain the focus because kind of like working in an investigation. You can, uh, there's a, uh, when you work in an investigation, you don't want to have blinders. However, you want to have focus. So we need to focus on the information whilst keeping, um, keeping our eyes on everything else, but not be distracted at the point of of uh completely changing the subjects, if that makes a difference or if that means uh, if that makes sense,
1: I want to close that with this because uh we I did not cover this today, and um, you posted this on the website, and this is something well that we definitely should get into, and we only have a few minutes left, so we're going to do it now. What do you guys think about this? How many of you heard about what information has come out over the weekend about al Qaeda and the Pentagon? The Pentagon paid for fake Al-Qaeda videos. A controversial foreign PR firm known for representing unsavory characters was paid millions of dollars by the Pentagon to create fake terrorist videos. The Pentagon gave a controversial UK PR firm over half a billion dollars, $500 million plus, to run a top-secret propaganda program in Iraq. The Bureau of Investigative... Journalism has revealed Bell Pottinger's output included short TV segments made of the in the style of Arabic news networks and fake insurgent videos, which could be used to track the people who watched them, according to a former employer. The agency staff worked alongside high ranking U.S. military officers in their Baghdad Camp Victory headquarters as the insurgents raged outside. Bell Pottinger's former chairman, Lord Tim Bell, confirmed to the Sunday Times, which has worked with the Bureau on this story, that the firm had worked on a covert military operation covered by various secret documents. Does that not call into question every...
2: Al-Qaeda video that we've seen. And see, mm-hmm. we, we we ran into this before. You, you monitor, for example, an, an Arabic language website. You see an, an Al-Qaeda video posted for propaganda purposes. And all of a sudden, when you begin tracing that back to the source, you run into some weird things and suddenly you find that, that hey, this name of this poster traces back to a cutout, and that cutout could very well be associated with, or at least appears to be associated with, an intelligence agency. And here it's being traced back to the Pentagon. We, we've seen this before.
1: David Petraeus yeah. signed off on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Con- then the commander of the coalition forces in Iraq, and on occasion by White House, uh, he said uh, former David Petraeus signed off on it. And he ended up being the head of the c i a sure and um disgraced according to well mhm yeah, and it says that these types of media operations are commonly used in uh the Iraqi time uh in the Iraqi military time, and they said that uh that um these type of black ops are used for tracking who is watching a certain thing are pretty standard part of the industry toolkit. No, you've and seen this,
2: you saw, you saw this in World War II, but, but Joe, you, you, but the pretext is, this is to, this is to bait and to, uh, and for surveillance purposes and to, and debate others, but, but when you're doing it on your own people, that's a, that's the difference and there. spending
1: over $500 million. They say uh, it costs about $100 million a year on average. Uh, that's more than we make. More than we make. It's more than we'll ever make in 10 lifetimes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's
2: more than Eric's salary. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, $540 million between the Pentagon and Bell Pottinger um, for psychological operations on a series of contracts that went from May of 2007 to December 2011. Yep. So I wonder how much of the ISIS beheading footages were real, where we wondered about the shadows, lighting, in the or possible the Bin green Laden, screens, the Laden stuff too. You know,
2: not, not, everything you see is subject to question. Yep, folks, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us, Joe. Thank you so much for covering me the first half of the program, Greg Jackson. Thank you so much, yeah, he Global did a great Star time. Radio. Todd, thanks. God bless you, my friend. You are the man. That's right, the Global Star Radio Network, and of course, ladies and gentlemen, each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us. God bless each and every one
1: of you. Saddle for battle, right? It's time to take a nap until uh, three a.m. There you go. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.